Cod Moth. Today, we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. Uh, that sounds scary, right? Uh, <laughs> I always look forward to discussing horror movies. I'm not a hardcore, I'm no expert about it, but it is one of my favorite genres of film. And today, we are bringing you a movie that was maybe overlooked at its time, but has since become an absolute cult classic, and that is John Carpenter's The Fog. This movie features uh, now an official mustachioso, Tom Atkins, but in this movie, he's a nude-lipped Tom Atkins. He's at half power, but uh, you know what? He's still badass. And you know that that hasn't stopped me in the past from honoring a mustachioed actor, but in this case... We are going to bring our attention to the legendary Hal Holbrook, who plays Father Malone in this movie. Hal is one of Cleveland, Ohio's finest, and I'm not 100% sure if he is an absolute expert at acting intoxicated or if he is actually intoxicated for this movie. And in my book, that makes a great actor. <laughs> so grab your solid gold crosses and get ready for some incredibly misplaced jazz music and play that shit theme song. It's the Mustachio Podcast, you we're ready for the show. We'll watch moves, we'll make some jokes, and then we'll all go home. Navigating the legendary hairy upper lips, it's the Mustachio Podcast, you. Is all that we see or seen? But a dream within a dream. Willy Wonka. Oh, wait, wait. No, I mean, that that's Edgar <laughs> Allan Poe. What is up, everybody? We are back. This is the Mustachio Podcastio, and I am your host, Daniel Segura. And today, I am welcoming a first-timer. He is, uh, you know, he's getting his mustache moist. Uh, for oh. the first <laughs> I don't know why that's so <laughs> But we're getting it moist for the first time. He is a uh, a co fellow colleague and a fellow listener of the Grybin podcast. As you know, I, I drag a bunch of those awesome people over to this show because uh, I'm figuring they don't got that much to do if they have enough time to be into the Grybin and and mess around with all that all those hijinks. So we might as well bring them over to my show. Welcome, Matt. How is it going, man? It's going great. Thank you for having me. And yes, I usually don't have that much going on i never leave my house so you know it's <laughs> Most i mean no one really doesn't anymore but <laughs> even before i was doing it before it was cool you know yeah before it was a pandemic i i got to uh always stay home anyway so well, i feel like yeah that, that's the one great excuse of being like a writer or a comic book writer it's like well you know i'm gonna stay in i need to you know i need to focus i need to be creative oh. yeah i <laughs> i i get i'll get up I'll pace around the house, muttering to myself, usually lines of dialogue, and my dogs will look at me. And <laughs> when you get a look from, like, your dogs, like, you're crazy. Like, I don't want to be seen with yeah. you. Like, that was usually my tipping point of, like, I go, yeah, I'm going to leave the house now. But now I, I can't even do that. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just kind of going to just show up on some podcasts that will... If people will invite me, I, I will just be here. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, I, I remember um, with my do my poor dog, um, I would um, I would have shows. I, I was playing in a in a, like a metalcore, you know, hardcore band, 
in San Antonio and I, I don't really warm up my scream or anything, but I would just do like a quick little, just to kind of make sure my throat was good. I'd be like, just like one blast. <laughs> he would freak the fuck out. Like, what is wrong with this fucking son of a bitch? But, yeah. uh, so I feel you there, but I am so glad that you did take the time to come oh, yeah. by. And you brought with you a very good movie. I... I will admit, I have never seen The Fog. I don't know what Wait. happened. Oh, seriously? Yes. <laughs> I know. This seems I, like one of those movies that I... And this happens a lot on my show where I thought I saw it. I yeah. Think, but it's just I saw a couple of scenes, but I'd never seen it from the very beginning to the end. Yeah. You know, actually, in, in, up until probably about... I'd say about 10, 15 years ago, that was probably more common like it did yes. seem to kind of be people skipped over it a little yeah a little yeah. forgotten because it came so soon after halloween it but it wasn't limelight right and, and then but it was before what escape from yeah escape and from new york yeah the thing you know so yeah it kind of was it's almost like the it's like the second album you know it's that so, it, some the people called it effort. yeah Right, yeah, more slump. right, and and that's kind of how it was perceived, you know, for a really long time, especially. I mean, if you go back and look at the reviews, you know, people are of the of when it first came out, they were not super kind to it. So I yeah. think it did kind of get that overlooked. I um, think what helped is that at the time, it looks like people did go see it in the y- theater, even though yeah. critically it was panned. It helped Carpenter. Um, you know, it helped people have confidence in his work that they were going to at least sell some tickets. I mean, that's the reason we're getting Justice League 2. And, you know, yeah. like, so right. Well, yeah. It's about the money. Right. And, um, but I I think it, I think the critics are a little um, off on this. I, I, you know, we'll get into it and we'll, we'll dig into this movie more. But um, it is one of those movies I can see it you can kind of see some of the same patterns of what he was doing with Halloween. He's not Mm -hmm. using as much gore, even though he, I think I read that he threw some more in because they were like, um, it's not really scary, bro. (laughs) Right. Right. And that seems to be kind of a, that's almost a, a story that follows Carpenter from pro, you know, project to project. You know, it's like he held really firm on Halloween with like no gore, no, you know, just and then ever since then you know he he didn't direct halloween 2 but you know that's kind of right around the same time as the fog like a year i think a year later but he you know co-wrote it and then he did a lot of the reshoots and he's the one who went in and added gore which was completely opposite of you know what he did on the first so and i feel like you kind of saw some of that here too where it's like when there is gore it's almost so like sporadic throughout that you it's 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 almost more shocking than it is than you would expect it to be yeah you're right it it, yeah but especially like you know when you when you do look at the movie as a whole it's it doesn't come in in a rhythm it feels very and, and and it's obvious that this was something where they looked at the movie post and they were like, well, you know, let's do some reshoots. And I guess while we're doing reshoots, let's um, yeah. let's add something here. Let's add something there. But I think um, – I don't think it makes the movie worse or necessarily better. I think s- some of it, um, especially the whole, like, interaction once they get to – when that very first um, time that we see the ship uh, – mm-hmm. 
was it Dante or uh, uh, the Dane? Dane. Um, and uh, the first time we see that, like that's dope. Like I love that yeah. that they add a little bit of gore to that scene. Um, but yeah, I, I, you don't, you know, especially with a movie like this, it, you don't necessarily need like super hardcore gore. No, because I, I mean, for me, when I think of like a ghost story. I, I never go to gore in my head. I mean, you know, I, even if something like Amityville Horror, you know, is something where, you know, supposedly true story, whatever. But, um, <laughs> you know, the actual true part of it is yeah. awful and gory. Yeah. But I never think about that as, like, part of the ghost story. So, uh, yeah, ghost story and gore doesn't immediately come together as... You, going hand in hand in my in my mind but yeah it doesn't have to no i I think that you know this is definite and i think that's why it's fitting the way this movie starts um but yeah ghost stories they go so 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 far back and it's not like while this you know while someone was telling a ghost story a long long time ago they weren't like and then you stabbed him in right. the chest, and then a fucking hook cut his right. throat open. You know, exactly. that's the purpose. It's the suspense. It's the the pain, and and, and it's the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, the atmosphere of it all. Which, and they capture that shit. In this yeah, book. yeah. Where they shot it to me is my favorite. Well, before we even get into that, yeah. when was the first time you saw this movie? I wanted to ask you that. Yeah, how did you hear about the fog. So I don't know how old you are. Nothing. So yeah, no, no. Okay, so. Uh, so um, I'm th- I'm 39. I'll be 40 next month, and oh, okay. uh, so I. And you already have eight kids. Eight. <laughs> yep. It's it, you know it. It feels like it, and I would I would be shocked if you don't hear them at some point. It's, it's it fine. is it's, it's 8:23 as we're recording this. It's 8:23 p.m. here. Bedtime for them, you know, should be at eight. It's usually nine thirty by the time that they stop fighting. So just just if you get some, you know, we'll call it um, authentic Illinois um, <laughs> yeah, there background. We go. Illinois How about background. that? <laughs> right. We're talking about atmosphere, right? They've got great yeah. locations, but you no. Know, so speaking be, because of and I this this was an unintentional segue, but it's great. Um, so because I grow up, I, I live in Illinois. I grew up in Illinois. Um, one of the things I latched onto super early, and I mean, when I say, I, so I want to say I maybe was like 10 years old, and I saw Halloween. And I'm sure, you know, it was... It's a good age. Yeah. I mean, it's... and It'll scare you at that age. Oh, yeah, exactly. Sure. And, I, you know, the exact, like, it takes place in Illinois, obviously, not in a real town in Illinois, but... Yeah, it's in Pasadena, I think, here. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's Illinois. But Haddonfield, Illinois, you know, that comes up on the the screen. And, you know, here I am, you know, at like 10 years old. It's just, I mean, that that basically blows my mind because I, and it would take me, it will take me forever then from that point to, to see how green the trees are in the background in that movie and how like not uh, like not how they really don't pull it off (laughs) if you happen to just look anywhere other than the ground where like the leaves they shipped in are rustling yeah yeah because all it took was like me to make that connection right like that just said illinois and i'm in illinois so anyway and i from pretty i guess i would say 
pretty early on like from then like i was pretty good at following like i would see credits and i would follow like oh that person's name and you know obviously yeah. this is before the internet and everything but i had a video store that was within walking distance of my house oh yes that seems to come in handy i think bobby also had that yeah yeah that seems to be key to getting you uh, to you becoming someone that listens to a show like this or oh <laughs> yeah well think about it. so when i was in sixth grade i got my first job it was working in a comic book store on weekends for store credit and i i Ooh. was as happy as could be right i was You're in sixth like a, a fucking movie per like the, the if I was writing a movie, I'd be like, "Yeah, he was working at a comic yeah. store." Yeah. Well, it. so <laughs> I did. Awesome. I did that from sixth grade until well, I off and on worked at that same company, uh, the store, uh, through my twenties. Like just you know, off and on, I would come. It's always go gonna back. have a backup baby. I went directly from in in junior year of high school. I got a job in an independent video store nice did that for a couple of years and then i managed a independent record shop for a couple of years so i mean i literally hit all of them like comic hit, book yeah. store yeah yeah so when did you start playing hacky sack i uh i do <laughs> i um i haven't started yet actually oh, it's i'm waiting i'm waiting for it to come back <laughs> you know eventually and i'm hoping by then i will have some coordination in order to uh to return it i honestly feel like you um just from this is the first time everybody yeah i even talked to matt i feel like you would have been a dope ass customer service guy though like not even being sarcastic like because a lot of times when i go to record shops us uh, you know yeah i don't want to say especially here but in certain record shops here and there they're just so like oh yeah i don't want to help you or they're smug and they're like oh you want that you know yeah i feel like you would have been much more cool like yeah it's all good i i I came to this a little bit later on but like i decided that um my the things i like the the, comics movies whichever i am proudly middle of the road quality wise which i think makes me a great person to uh come up to and ask a question because i am I am not gonna look. I'm. I'm not. I'm not gonna turn my nose up at at, at anyone because, you know, I. Uh, I. I loved. You know, I, most of the time it was just. You know, I. I. I followed my interests. You know, so I loved comics. You know, it, it's just. I because I was genuinely curious about, all yes. you know, like that stuff, and and it's always funny because like, I can't play, an instrument to save my life. I can't sing. Um, so music, like I, I was always, I was new people in bands, but I was never in one. So, and then um, before we start recording, we're talking about like, so I write, com- I write comics, but like, of course, initially it's like you go to comics and you're like, oh, I want to draw. Like, I, you know, you very rarely does someone when they pick up a comic book think about the writer first. I want to write in those little bubbles. Right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I it took me so long to have to explain to people like they'd be like oh so you put the words in the bubbles and it's like we know that's the letterer that like that's a whole other job uh you know uh, comic books there's a job for everybody oh yeah it's great yeah it's kind of like a band you know wave just no one's ever in the same room um but yeah anyway so like i guess this is a really long way like no i enjoy this to to go to get back (laughs) but because i 
when I would so, so going back to seeing Halloween, it's like you know that name John Carpenter stuck in my head, yeah. uh, and it helped that like That's a he good name and he gave himself you know he got that ti- the name over the title. So yes. you see, it's John Carpenter's it's Halloween. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, talk about a great thing, you know, to demand basically as oh, part yeah. of your deal. Um, and the video store that was near my house was so tiny. I mean, like it was like one where you like they kept all the cassettes behind the counter, and you took up like the empty box to find oh, okay. it. Like you know, so I like they didn't. That. You know, they didn't put the, so like, and it was, I mean, I, I would say like, you'd be lucky if it was like the size of like th- three or four, like normal, like closets. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's exactly. really tight. It was tight. Yes. Um, but, it would be tough to, with the COVID. Now. Oh yeah. Yeah. There, no, one person at a time. One like there's, there's no way. Like someone's like yelling outside. Hurry the yeah, fuck up. Right. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Man, you know, if you don't get that copy of like Braveheart or something, I know that's what would piss me off. If I'm waiting for this one guy to get out of the video store, he comes out. I'm like, "What'd you get?" And it's like, "Yeah, I got Braveheart." I'm like, "Get the fuck out of here, piece of shit!" (laughs) Right. Well, and the one thing, uh, so like, one of the benefits, though, I mean, it's always cool that it was just a small place because now, in in memory, it's like you know, I think back and it's like you know my memories aren't of blockbuster or you know something like that like my memories are, are of this it's called it was called east side video because it was on the east side of town perfect <laughs> like <laughs> it was right next to a pizza place a bank a church and a grocery store that was um not the best place that you'd want to go get your food <laughs> okay <laughs> Kind of maybe uh, go there for like canned and yeah. uh, perishables. Yes, exactly. Like a, maybe like paper towels or something. You know, but the point, you know, it's like you you just kind of get the feeling of like, okay, this place exists because of convenience, and and <laughs> yeah. and they are not allowing they they are they are using that um, as cover for a lot of just crappy okay, yeah, crappy food. There. Yeah. Okay. So so like. When the, when the store, like the video store is that small, like the, the horror section, of course, then is small, which means it's very easy to search through the whole thing. Yes. You literally, you, li- you, you, you know, it. right. And, you know, so I just reading and then I, again, you know, he got, he, John Carpenter put his name above the title on the fog. And, you know, so I'm just going through this, you know, st- small section of a small store and there's that name again yeah and it's and you know it's a pretty dope cover yeah you know, it looks because obviously back then you know covers were what it was about yeah except that this store was so small that they had everything um on the side oh shit so it was like a library almost like uh so, so yeah they weren't really... even they weren't even cover they weren't even facing out like so you couldn't even you actually had to physically pick up each Empty. I do like some of the randomness of that. I, I I don't have that so much with um, movie collecting, but I do have that a little bit with like I have a decent, not a big collection, but I have a decent collection of Sega games and oh yeah, Sega CD and Sega Genesis. And in early on, you know, there's 700 and something US release. Oh yeah, yeah. Genesis, and so a lot of times I just like kind of pick one out because you know I would go to smaller shops and um, 
just randomly pick out a game or sometimes the loose carts where it's hard to tell and they're mm -hmm. up on a shelf and you just kind of close your eyes and see what happens right and sometimes you get lucky you know well that was one of the things that, you know again in the moment i'm sure i was like oh, i want i just want to find something and just go because boobs right well yeah and there's always that but foggy boobs yeah <laughs> Which, by the way, this movie does not give us. No, no. It's, uh, <laughs> John Carpenter's a classy motherfucker. Right, yeah, at least this time around. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, this oh, what, but like, but one of the fun, you know, the things about it, it's like, be, you know, since you kind of had to physically pick up each and every case to, to move through them, uh, there are a ton of things that I probably would have just passed over, like, had they been facing out. You know, um, so there was definitely something, I, I feel like that really helped me, um, in terms of kind of early on memorizing or internalizing, like, the names that I ke would keep seeing. Yes. So even if I hadn't seen the movies, like, I would be like, oh, Wes Craven, this name is you know in this small section this name is i've now seen it on a few different things john carpenter you know so yeah i i in a weird way it was kind of like i was studying without knowing i was studying yep. because yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and 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 the section never changed you know occasionally a title would be added or or a, a something would get damaged so it's like I, but yet every time i would go it's like i would keep you know i would pull each one out you know and it's like so, I guarantee you, I much like how you said you with the fog, like you'd never seen it, but you kind of thought you had. I I bet you, like there are a ton of movies like that for for me, like where yeah, because I have like memorized the plot points and I, I I've got the cover in my head. It's like I've probably never even seen the movie, but I think <laughs> I have. Yes, and I'm sure like my older brother probably told me about it a million times. Oh I'm yeah, to go watch it and. Um, I'm honestly saddened that I I didn't see this first because I remember seeing the remake, which is oh skippable. You, oh man! And uh, I didn't. And, that, and so because of that, I remember like thinking, well, do I really want to watch the original? Like if the remake, you know? Yeah. And well, I should have done some more digging because I would have realized, oh, it's really worth watching. Well, and remakes are tricky like that though too because I, you know, I don't. I'll, I I don't immediately hate them. You know, there are those people that like it, as soon as they find out something's a remake, it's they yeah they're just shut off to it. And you know, I'm not. You know, I've always had that that mentality of like, well, okay, the original's still there. Like, you're not ruining anything. Like, so by remaking something, if the remake sucks, whatever. Like, I don't care. You know, but yeah. um, I remember. Th that one in particular the fog um did was one of the only ones that i felt like a little like that nerd rage yeah spoil up <laughs> yes. and i have yeah. never seen it and i, I don't think it's haven't seen it. and it's funny though because it's like i now that i'm thinking about it like i don't know why like you it, might as well watch it at this point you just might as well but yeah it, it is it is um it's not good it's not good you know yeah, no, it, and I think maybe because if I, you know, it just seemed bland, and I think that's the, you know, that becomes one of the, the problems. It's like, you know, uh, Halloween, the original Halloween is 
I I always say it's my well I don't know like I'd say it's it's close to my f- what I can identify as my favorite movie of all time. Uh, as, yes, um, I totally can see that. Yeah, right. Um, but I didn't hate that Rob Zombie remake. You know, remade it. Like I mean, I didn't like what he did, but I, you know, in a way, I was like, well, whatever. He he did something with it. That's fine. So you know, to me, it's like I rather like the remake do something you know bold with it if they're going to bother doing it in the first place yeah and like at least he he took a uh, direction and you yeah. either were going to like that direction or you weren't yeah you know? um so yeah i and i like rob zombie as a part you know i've never met the son of a bitch but right. i've heard him in a bunch of interviews well, he, he seems like a pretty he, awesome dude he, he's part. that like guy that like i really like him you know yeah, and i love job. interviews with him i just have never His visions yeah i just not a fan not i can't say that like there's any you know i think maybe some white zombie you know maybe like some of the music oh, yeah, yeah i you music, know some of his music's pretty decent still right still holds up but man yeah his movies just don't do it for me like they they you know yeah i feel you man i can't can't deal with that but it's funny though because you know i like when you know so going with with you know say finding the fog for the first time i did kind of get that feeling the you know rob zombie and and you know lots of horror movies do this where they they just populate it like the the film like with all these you know now familiar faces you know and 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 that almost becomes kind of its own thing about being like a fan of horror movies it seems especially where you're like you know, you get this one random movie, and you're like, suddenly it's like, oh, that guy, oh, that guy. And in The Fog, I think one of the things that first made, uh, like, once I got it, and I was like, okay, this guy John Carpenter, I knew he made Halloween, and then so much of the Halloween cast is in this movie. Yes. And it was like, that was, like, basically all I needed then. I'm like, okay, like, I love this movie. Like, it, you know, and yeah. it didn't even matter, like... He, it's it's very much a musician type um, concept, and also there's a lot of music like musician or like being into music that kind of parallels what you're talking about, like mm-hmm. especially the part where you were looking at the names and you see like oh there's Carpenter oh. and there's that. I was like that with music, like if I saw record labels, or liner notes, liner thank you, notes, the thank yeah, yous. Yeah. I found I, I I think I've got I've gotten some of my absolute favorite records of all time just from seeing the thank yous from yeah um yeah. especially um my favorite like band of all time is is all or the descendant well it's the descendants but um they're the latter the later incarnation called all and yes, it's like they had three different singers at different times and yeah um different labels and i swear like i would go into record stores with the lyric booklets and the liner notes and be like do you have shades apart do you have yeah, yeah you know exactly. um and yeah so it's you yeah you, and a lot of times like i would look at like the um especially early on when i was like 11 or 12 i would look at the band photos like their their mm-hmm. photos and i would see what shirts they were yep. wearing oh yeah oh i've never heard of that band like, i've never you know like and especially like you, they would be wearing like you know if um 
like Metallica guys would be wearing sh- like thrash bands that like would yep. have never been huge. You know, right, exactly. Yep. But you can find them and you're like, oh, fuck, like this is dope, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a lot of a lot of that going on. And I actually did get in the liner notes one time with some friends, um, not a huge band, but they, they were like a, a post-hardcore type band or metalcore band called uh, Inked in Blood. Oh, nice. And um, we, uh, they had played a show, one, they were booked to play a show in San Antonio and they double booked them. And the guys were like, well, we have all our equipment. Like, if anyone has space for us, we're down to play. So we, they followed us, like, all the way. I swear, it was, like, 30 minutes away from the venue. So it was a good drive. We got right. drove out. They go into the guy's, a dude's garage. This is, like, in a neighborhood. <laughs> oh, nice. And these guys have giant, like, full-blown touring amplifiers. Right, yeah, huge yeah. amps. And they fucking played, like, a whole set. And we were just oh, there, and there awesome. was like maybe twenty five of us, and it was really awesome. And that's a good—I mean, that's a good garage turnout. So you oh, know, yeah. that's you know, <laughs> it was really hard to slam dance in a girl. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Got hit in the face a couple times, but that's the usual. Right. Well, um, yeah. I was gonna say. I mean, yeah. that's that's not that much different Comes than with some the territory. Other. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was young and spry. I was like probably like nineteen years old, but it was a good time. Anyway, man. Um, yeah. Are you uh, ready to break this baby down? Yeah, let's do it. All right, this is uh, the movie breakdown. Here comes the fog. Go get your dog. They killed an old lady. Oh man, that's shady. Movie breakdown. So now I get why people laugh. I'm so sorry. That's the worst. So I, dumb. I, yes, uh, they do actually, kill an old lady. So you know, they do. You, were, you were not wrong. <laughs> I uh, and we will get to that. Yeah. I like that they inserted this um, beginning scene, even though it kind of gives away the entire so, fucking story. Yeah, that's that's interesting because that was one of the main things. I, one of the big things I was going to ask you is just the yeah. If, well, it, it kind of comes so quickly that. I had to like look at what he was saying because you know they got the Gordon's fishermen yeah. telling a bunch of kids <laughs> kids a scary story. Uh, <laughs> I love it's night, it's the beach, it's a campfire, a bunch of kids, and that dude. You're like, <laughs> yeah, it's like automatically I get, like, like eesh. Like I get like the one kid, his mom works nights, but like really the other kid's parents. Exactly. I was like, do they like, just why, like, well, all leave their kids with some old dude that yeah, ends up like, by the beach? Yeah, yeah. Captain Hook is is watching the kids tonight. You know, like. And apparently, this was all shot. The shots where they're shoot, shoot looking, uh, where they have the camera on him was all shot indoors. Right. Yeah. Extra, which is crazy. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's awesome too. It's like, like a fire going on on a set, and the kids are like, "What's happening?" Yeah, because I think this this was the like part of reshoots or something, right? Yes, like, it was. Is, they added it because apparently, uh, Carpenter was not happy with the way the film started off. He was like, "This is not good." It's funny because I I'll do like um, when 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 I watch a movie and I know that. Certain things were shot afterwards and added in. I'll kind of do that mental exercise of trying to cut them out and picture like, okay, well, if yeah, what was it like? You know the and and I think this is one of those cases where it's like, man, it would be such a different experience watching this movie if it just opened with kind of those scenic, the scenic yeah, I shots. I don't. 
like I, I like I said earlier, like I did dig it because I oh yeah, it was so weird. I me. yeah, I love it. And you know, you have this like weird. It, it brought in the whole like this is gonna be about chips, right? And the ocean. Yeah, but at the same time, you're right. Like it would have been kind of. It takes any any mystery, yeah. Yeah, like, because after that we got like people. I mean, he basically <laughs> just says ghost pirates looking for gold. Like, I yeah, mean, he gives like the whole fucking concept of the film. And considering that there's so much that like is supposed to be mysterious, you know, all of the clues are the rest of the movie unfolds like a mystery. Like it is why is this happening? This is bizarre. Yes. This is and it's like well. I know why ghost pirates like they told us like yeah so it's and it's weird that it's like that it was carpenter that felt like because that it seems like a something that would be like a studio note like yes and maybe it was maybe they I, yeah I, I don't know i can't i can't remember and I can't also remember either i read it but you know I'm, i drink a lot <laughs> <laughs> and you know I, and honestly i mean i i, I guess i could understand like second get you know maybe second guessing yourself like does this unfold too slowly or i'm you know i think he did a couple tv movies after yeah halloween before this but it's like okay i want to let people know right from the start this isn't like a slasher movie so you know i could understand why he might panic a little bit or feel like yeah, it needs like something else this out like they're gonna just zone out like they're, they're not gonna know what's going on right so let's put a, like an old man just giving yeah. us this background story like right the, the legend basically he gives but because it's so easy to like segment off you kind of almost wish like there was like a a dvd feature or just something where it's like play without you know because it, <laughs> yeah. it is literally just like a prologue i mean it totally is yeah that's I mean, what it is because does that guy he never shows up again. Right, he never shows back up. No. Because they had already shot him. everything. Yeah, right. they mentioned that guy, but yeah, he never shows up. It was, it was it's only like the kid that's... Plugged the, in the scene. They get him back in there. The They do. But, but I other, just call yeah, him the kid. Who cares? He's I know. It, I, I, it, took me, it took me so long, like, I kept thinking, you know, I kept calling, I kept writing Tommy, because it's like, I'm like, my God, he looks just like the kid from Halloween, like Tommy Doyle, and it's, yeah, so, no, but, um, but, uh, well, and actually, before, uh, Grizzle, Grizzly Fisherman, uh, what you opened with, we got the, the Edgar Allan Poe quote that everyone loves to use, right? Oh, yes, Which, totally, like, I don't get why people, I mean, like, it's a cool quote, but, like, what does it have to do with this movie <laughs> like, yeah i have no fucking idea this would have been better with like inception like, yeah or even like nightmare on elm street right like just I mean, oh, something yeah, like on the nose but yeah well, right well yeah well but it would be followed up with like a freddy quote you know it's like the the um fuck you bitch well because <laughs> they actually do that it's in um i think it's oh, in yeah, nightmare right. four because they do like uh right. it's like man's dream blah 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 it's, and then it's like welcome to prime time bitch it's you're right like, which is by the way if I, I I'm I know I shouldn't be talking about Freddy because this is Bobby's territory. Well, I know I, I I did it once in a uh, <laughs> in a Bloody Bits episode and I kind of felt like he was wa- like watching me. Yes, he like wasn't. I feel like he gets like a radar, right? Like some kind of push notification it's if just, someone mentions Freddy, but it's like I feel like he the, owns it. <laughs> but the welcome to prime time, bitch, yeah. might be the best Freddy line out of like once you pass, you know. Um, once you get into the fun Freddy, yeah. Once you accept that that Freddy, yeah. Oh yeah, he's so good. 
Oh my gosh. I almost want to see that one again. He yeah. just shoves her fucking face in it. Anyway, that's a whole yeah. other movie. Let's get back to the fun. Yeah. Um, I do like um, the radio DJ stuff, even though they play yeah. jazz music, and I don't think anyone in a town like this listens to a whole bunch of jazz, but apparently it was because it was cheap. To well, I was going to say, well, and actually piece. some of it was uh, just John Carpenter's band. Oh, it was like that. <laughs> When, when, when she, some of those um, transitional things were like the promos. Oh, yeah, the promos were weird, but like, I think the first thing she says, like, when she's like, let's uh, play the Coupe de Ville's, she, she names out that band. That, yeah, that's the. That's his band. That's John Carpenter's band that's with, so funny. like, Tommy Lee Wallace, like, the editor and a couple oh, other people. Oh, yeah. Because, um, cool. uh, and that's the second time he's done that, or at least at that point, because in Halloween, when. Jamie Lee Curtis and um, Annie were were driving to go babysit. There's a song playing in the car, and okay. that was John Carpenter's band then too. So he's it's another way he gets his own music, and you know beyond like writing the score. But um, what I really like is the fact that so we see John Carpenter himself. By the way, his yep. I think his only one of his only like speaking parts. I yeah pretty much thing in a movie uh because it is rough um he's closing yep. up shop at a local catholic church <laughs> and he tells a priest who actually kind of looks like edgar Allan poe and he is the guy we are honoring yes today. <laughs> well way, well mr hal holbrook they share a moment because it's kind of you know you got mustache on mustache, mustache exactly <laughs> Yeah, and I will but, say, yeah. yes, John Carpenter has always, yes. uh, for a long time, sported a mustache, so it is kind of a shared benefit here. Yeah, just but like no, how? Because he's kind of hilarious throughout the whole movie. Oh, I love it. I, isn't, don't you hear him pop the the cork popping sound before he even, like, totally see him? Like, yeah, he is, he's just... Oof. This guy is three yeah. sheets to the wind, though, I think, the whole time. Yeah, um, oh, it's awesome. <laughs> and, uh... He tells this guy that he's taken off, and it's funny because Carpenter, uh, I don't know his real name in the movie, but... It's Bennett. Like, Bennett, yeah. And, cause there's some about pay or something. Yeah. He's like, hey, are you going to pay me, bro? Yeah, he's like, can I can I get paid? And he, does he just like, uh, and he just offers him a drink instead? He doesn't yeah. even answer his question. <laughs> yeah, oh, uh, <laughs> the, priest says, the priest says, how about you just come in a little bit later tomorrow? <laughs> right, that's right. Yeah, he gives him like two extra hours off. He's such a dick. Yeah. It's like, it's like, I can't really pay you, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Also, I'm trying to think of, like, I mean, I guess we don't really know what he was doing there. Like, he, you know, if he was just, like, a repairman, like, or, yeah, was I think he, he's like... like, the assist, like, I, I would say he's probably, like, a custodial person. Yeah, probably. He's carrying away. around his own boombox or a little radio yeah. put the pamphlets back in the shelf put but I put up like, all the little things that you put your knees on i don't know what they're called. i guess i would usually think that was like a volunteer job but i mean i don't i guess i don't i, but I don't that, know well that's another thing that boggles my mind about this movie is like it looks like it's a pretty small like town, really small like 1200 maybe or like something. 12 people well, yeah like <laughs> when you see that celebration later that's that's pretty yoke dude that, yeah, that was not a lot of people that was the most unenthusiastic crowd of tens of people yeah but uh That's so weird um, but yeah he's like, you're right yeah it would normally be a volunteer but maybe because it's a small town and he's probably like the kid of some guy so well there's actually something i in this i caught it the very first time and i don't know if if this is really connected but a little bit i think just a couple scenes later when like the town's going nuts and it's at the gas station yeah 
and like it zooms up on the pump and you see like the number going up because the gas is just pumping yeah. on the pump it says bennett like which is the car- carpenter's character's name and it's spelled the same and i'm like does he maybe own like the gas station is he like a mechanic but then why would he be asking about getting paid paid unless he was there to fix them but then no i guess he would he said come in later tomorrow so yeah it sounds i, didn't I don't even know. notice the gas no i, did not notice I that never noticed that before like I, that's so weird and i honestly it was because <laughs> i, I called that anything right and so it makes you feel like okay they clearly said his name was bennett because yeah father does say it and then i only caught it because i paused the movie at that point because i was writing something down yeah and I was like, I looked and it was like, okay, so yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so I, anyway, I started. I, he's a, he's not even important. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he leaves, and then uh, and he the, takes the, his mustache with him. Yeah, and then that, Padre's that. there in the <laughs> in the room, and he walks up to the door because he's like, I guess he remembers. So he's like, Oh, Bennett, Bennett. Right. And then that, all of a sudden, a giant chunk of fucking masonry comes crashing down right. on his desk, and he drops his wine. Oh yeah, that's right. Because so he forgot. Bennett forgot his radio oh that's what he was bringing to him right which is seems like like the one thing you carried with you (laughs) like the thing that it's got a handle keep it keep it in your hands brother the thing that's making noise yes (laughs) and so this miraculous thing happens where it's just so random but a a, like an old i guess you would call it an old journal yeah yeah yeah. it's an old diary old diary comes from 1880 out of this hole for the masonry reads from april 30th midnight Yep. Uh, um, so, in this movie came out in what 1980. So the the town is celebrating its 100th. And yeah, it's a centennial. centennial. Yeah, yeah. So it's celebrating its centennial, and uh, it says the journal says something like midnight till one belongs to the dead. Right. Good Lord, deliver us. Yeah. <laughs> Such an awesome page to open to. <laughs> I know. I've been listening to a lot of like. Um, uh, so there's this, uh, oh, what are they called? Oh, dude, I can't remember what they're called. But th- there's this YouTube channel that takes like um, Copeland, Kenneth, Ken Copeland. He's like a, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yes, a televangelist who's a real piece of shit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they take his songs and they they well, I mean, they take his his uh, shit and they make him into songs like rap songs. Oh, that's awesome. That's like, fantastic. This is some shit that Copeland would have said. But anyway, yeah, yeah. you got to check it out. It's like uh, I think it's called W. I think it's called like What the Fuck, bruh like WTF bra. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> I just listen awesome. to it all the time. I'm like addicted to that freaking YouTube channel. So anyway, so we are, um, we're in Antonio Bay. That's the name of the town. Mm-hmm. And the radio DJ says uh, the town's 100 years old today. So that's when we uh, also hear that. It's reiterated there. And um, apparently Antonio Bay, by the way, I took this note, is actually um, Point Reyes Station. Uh, it's an unincorporated un- town located in Marin County. Oh, okay. Um, so that's where they actually filmed it. I was curious because I'm like, this was such a good location yeah, to shoot this movie. It's yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's creepy. It's like a it's like an old creepy ass area, <laughs> which I really enjoy. Um, and, and it's really cool to see uh, Carpenter e- again, even with Halloween when it was once you notice that it's clearly not Illinois, it's sometimes. even when you know that like he's he he still has such a good job in that movie of creating that midwestern fall atmosphere yeah um and i re and i guess like i this movie reinforces like he is really good at 
getting you to really feel like you were immersed in that setting. Exactly. Um, this one helped because he actually got to film where he was setting the story. Yeah, um, and it also but, helps because it's the fog. So, like, most yeah. of his shots are going to be at night. Yeah. Which, by the way, does a great job with shooting at night. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you see movies where they're supposed to be shooting at night, and it's like, this is bad. This is oh, yeah. Filter. <laughs> but uh, he does a really good job. So he was able to take advantage of that and uh, use the natural creepiness of a small bay town. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Advantage. So it worked out really well. Um, but this was that part you were talking about now coming on where – and by the way, y'all, the credits are still showing this whole yeah, time. The credits yes, they go are. on to like 12 minutes. It's insane. Yeah. It, it was like, what the fuck? When are the credits going to finish? But at least it wasn't one of those where we have to see like a bullshit like, – we have to hear like a song and like stupid right and stuff. At least they were like letting the movie go on uh, while the credits were showing. I actually appreciate that. Personally. Yeah, you know, and it's weird because – I, you know what, I guess since the scene, the opening scene was, I wonder how far along they were when they at, added that in, because maybe they didn't, because they, otherwise, without that opening scene with uh, on the beach, and then the credits start, so you've got a couple minutes yeah, pre-credit. Yeah, so yeah, it's it like, it, it makes bit. it feel extra long. I but. surprised. I figured, like, if I'm noticing that they're still showing up, it's probably going on for a, a little while. Yeah, because enough, because the name pops up and you're like, oh yeah, that's credits still. Exactly. That's, well, and it's funny because <laughs> I, right when we're seeing, um, so we left the church, and yeah, I think this is where we're kind of seeing the... Yeah, we see the guy at the bodega, and he's, yep. closed, he's cleaning up, and bottles are, like, breaking, and shit is shaking. And... Oh, that's right, that's the dude that, like, opens the orange juice, Yes. drinks yes. it, and puts it back? <laughs> yes. Hey, you know. It's a and the question thing. is, is that just, like, does he keep coming back to that one, or is he just like, eh? Oh no! This is a thing. He yeah, get yeah. Paid. Like I don't know if you're at a job, like a, a remedial job, where you're just like, I don't get paid enough to. Oh like, yeah. Not eat this sandwich. That's well, that's true. Sandwich. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, when you have all that at your disposal, but like when you're the well. only one there. It's also probably before, like you know, most places had security. No, they just had the uh, mirrors. Yeah, the... just had the mirrors. So eat away, drink away. Exactly. Um, you you see a sign that's been loosened. Um, you, you, basically, a bunch of weird shit is going on. This is all like the stuff, like if you were to go on YouTube right now and search like ghost videos, this is the shit that happens. It know, lights turn off, things fall. It's pretty hilarious when you think about it, like that, that is exactly right. Like, yeah, yeah. what he did in 1980, just kind of like, oh, this is weird and unsettling, is still like a thing like someone's gonna post that video tomorrow of just yeah. like that lampshade tilted yep they, we get the gas station thing you were talking about yeah pump just starts going on and all through this like i i have a note that said you know the score at this point is totally hot it's not it's not halloween but like this is like i think he's on um you know piano only you know yes. at this moment and it feels very halloween Eerie and halloweeny and again, it's another one of those moments where you go like, you know, if you're not, if you're imagining that that first scene is not there, and this is the credits are rolling over with this stuff and that score, maybe this is where Carpenter's kind of like, you know, worried that people are about to expect, you know, like a, a slasher. You know, it's yeah, just maybe very he was trying to give it a 
Yeah, maybe he would like saw it and he thought it was like giving off a vibe that he wasn't digging. But yeah, I, I like it though. I think it, it works out so well, far. Me yeah. too. And this is the first moment where you go like, okay, if you can forget that first scene that explains Ghost Pirates, um, yeah, what would you be thinking seeing this? You you've now seen like a church. <laughs> where a diary's found, a cryptic message, and you're now kind of jumping around this town and weird stuff's happening. You have yeah. no context. Exactly. Um, and, and after we see some high beams go off and horns on a bunch of cars go off, and then a lady goes up to her window who we'll get to meet later on. Yeah. Um, and a chair moves for no reason in her apartment, which she doesn't that one seems a lot. Yeah, that one seems a little bolder that you know like in terms yeah, of like, what's happening a fucking chair just like slid in in, in like you couldn't dispute it right like that's yeah, not like that uh, uh oh sure. yeah yeah exactly it was really weird but uh then we hear the dj um who we'll get to know as well and she's mentioning the weather um and she mentions the weatherman who said that it was gonna it was supposed to be raining but right now it's just kind of clear skies and this is about the 12-minute mark when the credits finally stop showing up <laughs> on the screen. And uh, we see Tom Atkins, who is um, uh, doesn't have a mustache in this I know, movie, man. but even at half power, he's still as sexy as hell. Look, it's it's still there. Like I it, it, it to him. it's. I don't. <laughs> it's weird. Like it, he just looks he looks weird, weird without, without it. Mustache. Yeah, yeah, I think they were trying to make him look younger because they were going to be, because um, he does pick up Jamie Lee Curtis who's <laughs> hiking. So I think they were like, oh, let's make him look a little bit younger. And, Even though uh, they didn't give a shit about that in Halloween Three. Oh, oh no, 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 <laughs> no, not, no, no. They they actively uh, leaned into it in Halloween Three. Um, How old are you again? Right. Yeah. Which older than I look was her response in Halloween three, <laughs> oh, I think, yeah. which is yeah, not an answer. <laughs> so funny. Um and what is uh Tom he's he doesn't have a mustache, but he does have something. <laughs> um his his natural um his, his natural, fuel? <laughs> <laughs> he's he's got road beers. <laughs> he's he's got some road beers, yeah, he's got his road beers. He's um she comes in and uh he I think he gives her a sip of his Budweiser like a real gentleman oh, yeah. does. Like, and she takes it without hesitating. Like, yeah. it's just those are the good old days, man. I mean, those days are over now. But uh, oh, those, yeah. those are the days where you could just have a sip of a man's beer and just have a good time in the truck. Um, and it's funny because like Jamie Lee asks him, like, "Are you weird?" Yeah, and he's like, "Hell yeah, yeah, I'm fucking weird, dude." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she's cool with it. it. It makes them both pretty likable right from the start. And yeah, considering good. what yeah. you're seeing happen, and the fact that you come away from the scene going, "I kind of like those two. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's like immediately right. You're seeing a guy drinking and driving, picking up a girl. Yep. And yet you still are like, eh, not bad. <laughs> and uh, apparently it's her thirteenth time because she she just started doing this. She just wanted, you know, we'll find out more why. But apparently right. just started doing this whole hitchhiking thing, and this is her thirteenth ride. And then. He goes, man, thirteen. That's that's not too lucky. And then all of a sudden, yep, <laughs> the windows in the truck just like fucking just his, shatter. right? I don't think it. I don't think it shatters next to her. No, like they just all shatter into pieces. I don't, I don't even know. Um, it's almost like an opera singer when they yeah, singing. it just blows um, out. Yeah, Sindel came through and she just like fucking <laughs> blew up all the freaking windows. And then now we see uh, who we who I just called DJ Stevie. Um, she is on the microphone at the radio station doing her thing, 
and uh, she gets a call from the uh, weatherman who Damn. Uh, is really hot for Stevie. Yeah. Holy hell. And uh, Stevie, by the way, is uh, played by Adrian Barbeau, who, by the way, I think was, was the girlfriend or the newlywed of... Her? Yeah, she was married to John Carpenter at this time. Yeah, so they were fresh. Yeah. by the way, I think he had his ex-wife working with him. Yeah, Deborah Hill. Uh, yeah, they yeah they co-wrote this. Yeah, they co-wrote the movie together. She was his producing partner for, I think, years after this. Still, so Jesus, that must have been. I because mean, I, I mean Barbo. Yeah, well, geez. yeah, I mean a that's a little uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's what I always say uh, interesting when you, I don't have another. Word well, you have to hope that like they when they said like oh. It was a mute. It was mutual. We, you know, we broke yes. up. It was mutual. You hope that that was like, they really, it was legit. Well, I can mutual. say from personal, I can say from personal experience, like I did have a mutual divorce, and you still feel weird though. Like the first couple of times sure. you see them with someone, you're just like, oh yeah, that was me. Like it's weird. Yeah. So I can say that. So I'm sure it was at least not fun. For sure, for her, it was not something that came natural. So I'm, I, I, I'm glad that she stuck in there and kept doing it. And this has, job. And, and honestly, I mean, it's pretty. It would not be that far removed because I think when they did Halloween together, they were dating because that um, John Carpenter, and Deborah Hill. Yeah. So you know, Jeez. we're talking two years. Damn, this is fresh. But so, either way, uh, yeah, no, I'm glad he brought in um, Barbot. She, oh. she, she had a great career. Um, she's still, you know, she, she has. I can just remember her from so many damn movies. Uh, yeah, especially Cannonball Run. Uh, she was really fun in that one. Um, but yeah, she she's the radio host in in this movie, and this weatherman got the hots for her, and he I think he lets her know about a fog bank heading in from the east. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are now all of a sudden from this scene, we are in a some kind of vest ship vessel type <laughs> sea vessel. Yeah, it's a yeah, uh, yeah, it's, boat? yeah. It's just like a tra- I think a trawler. Yeah, trawler. They, I'm not they, a big well, they just said that word so many times, <laughs> okay. and I, and I wrote it down without knowing if I was spelling it right. And I was just like, oh, I feel you there. I do that all the time. But it's called the seagrass. The sea. That's grass. the one that that one is because I I wrote it down as sea bass um, sea bass a couple times. <laughs> sea bass. And then I was. Then I started thinking about Dumb and Dumber, and I just, yeah, yeah I, <laughs> so, uh, but it's the seagrass. And we're on the seagrass, and uh, the guys are listening to the radio station, and they're kind of like going back and forth about how hot they think Stevie might yeah. be. It's weird, Which is, like, yeah. for a small town, no one's seen Stevie, is she like some She's mysterious? She's pretty new, right? Oh, okay, so that's what it is, she just Because we get like none of her backstory, other than, um, there's a photo, when, when we've, there was a photo um, in the radio station um, that it quickly pans across, which looks like her, her son, and a guy. So, hus- ex-husband, uh, someone so who passed away. Left, like Chicago or something, right? Chicago. She was from Chicago, and she yeah. bought the radio station. She yes. so, so, yeah, I, you get the feeling that she's still relatively yeah. new. And it's kind of, you know, it's one of those things where you think about it and it's it's hard to remember that like there's a good chance you don't 
wouldn't know what someone on the radio looked like. No, that's true. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I mean, well, wasn't that kind you of don't want to see someone that's on well, the radio. Well, face for radio is the thing. Looking. Yeah, but and I because I think wasn't the like wasn't play um, that Clint Eastwood, Clint Eastwood movie play Misty for me like one of the plot points in that like hinged on like the fact that you know he he was a radio DJ he had a stalker but he was able to like there was a tense scene where like he was relying on that like she's never actually seen him yeah yeah yeah, yeah. or something like that and it was like <laughs> and you just think about like that and you're like well can't do that now but like yeah. so yeah it, you know they probably don't know what she looks like so the uh so the guys are going back and forth and they're looking at their binoculars they're like there's no fog bank out there but then of course a fog bank shows up and well because like, one guy's just muttering up. to himself the whole time yeah grizzled guy ever like the yeah. other the other guys are happy like drunk just talking about stevie and this guy's in the foreground <laughs> <laughs> so he tells uh one of his guys to come over and like take a look at what's going on and it's pretty intense um the they see super bright lights that are shining within the fog like almost like headlights yeah and uh then they see the fog flow flow down into the ship and all of a sudden the generator blows out so now there's no electricity so yeah it's the first time you see that it's moving intentionally like yeah. it's this thing is like hunting basically yeah which i it's it's a cool moment that like i kind of despite how many times i've seen it like i kind of forgot that that's really the first way you see it is yeah. that like just this it, yeah it's going into where the generator is and it's funneling itself that way and you're like oh man like right from the start it's like pretty dope yeah and they, they and they do end up seeing this like giant ass looking almost uh i think oh, i forget what they call it, a scuttle or a uh, something like that but it, it looks like a giant ash pirate ship to me yeah <laughs> i'm so generic and what oh i yeah ships. i brig rig brig something like that but it was flown through it looks old y'all from like 1800s and uh, they see some people on there but it's like so damn foggy you just barely see their basic silhouette yeah and then uh, they're like oh look, what's going on what's going on suddenly we got fucking sword goes through a guy i know and that's what we we're saying earlier about like there's gore in this movie that you don't you know, yeah it's, it's a ghost story so you're not quick. thinking about it and then it it happens and you're just like oh yep sword through the gut and then a freaking another guy um one of the other revenants uses like a hook and yeah he gets i know what you did last summer just <laughs> hard there's a lot of i know what you did last summer i know kills that's in that's this movie. I, I, I kept thinking about that the whole time you know and i'm just <laughs> like you know it's amazing that the guy who you know who wrote that one um you know halloween's his favorite movie he loves john carpenter and mm -hmm. all the time i've ever heard him talk about i know what you did last summer i'm shocked that he's never said like oh yeah and i kind of took it from the fog or at least the yeah. the method you know because they don't want to but it yeah it sure makes sense it does make sense um so yeah the pirate the 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 ghouls they take care of these sons of bitches real quick these sailors um in fact um I'm not sure if this is later on, but I know that then a, a guy, one of them walks downstairs, like not, I say downstairs, but walks into the lower deck yeah. of the, of, of the, the vessel. And one of the younger guys on there is like, holy shit, man, like come over here. Like this is, it's crazy. It's huge. And unfortunately it's one of the revenants and it kills the shit out of him too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they, they take care of him. 
And uh, we're back with DJ Stevie, who, by the way, has a uh, late night show where she speaks in a whisper because that's just the way DJs used to talk back then. Yeah. I, I really like the transitions because she'll be like, blah, 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 blah. Like, hey, everybody. I know. that. That's like one of the things I, I've written down a few times here. It's like her transitions are fantastic. Oh, she was good, man. And you like, would not have thought this was like her first like movie movie. Right. It, so. it, and, you know she does so much in those transitions like so much acting in it that like is in, is just impressive like that like yeah. she conveys so much of like her but as the movie continues like her growing unease and worry and then yet as soon as that you know for the most part as soon as she flips that on air thing it's like it goes right back to stevie way yeah. you know and you're just like she basically, I, in my opinion, I think carries like the, especially the emotional uh, aspect of the film. Uh, it's like we're with her, and she's and yet, on her own for the most part. Like yeah, I mean, she's so not acting against anyone. Following with her uh, in this in this whole journey here, but um, she's talking to Weatherman again, who's all horny, and he he lets them. Uh, they start talking about the fog and shit and where it's going, and they find out it's going a different direction. That it's actually going against the wind. Yeah, which which well obviously doesn't make any fucking sense so that automatically makes her kind of puzzled she's like what the hell like that's weird that it would be going the other direction so then we were back with tom atkins which even at you know like i mentioned he's uh being his sexy self with yeah we're back with him and jamie lee curtis (laughs) they are in bed bed. we Uh, don't know how much time has actually passed because you know we're tracking along with her radio show and we know what this is all happening within at least one hour Yes. 12 to 1. Tommy don't waste no time. So they were driving presumably somewhere in the middle of not of nowhere-ish yeah. because she was hitchhiking. Yep. She said, where are you going? He goes, to the other side, or, you know, to the other side of town. Yeah. She's like, okay, good. Okay. Window blows out. So this is, that's all after midnight, but it hasn't hit 1 a.m. yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, think about this journey that Tom and Jamie Lee Curtis have done. You know, I, I think uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie is a giver, and yep. uh, Tom's a taker, and uh, they just they just totally got along very well. Uh, but yeah, they, they they actually they have obviously already yep. made some loving, and then he's like, "So, what's your name anyway?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they exchange first names. He asks um, where she's from, and she's like hesitant at first. She's like, I only said you could ask me one question. Uh, he thought she was from Pasadena, which is obviously probably um, a little bit of a throwback to where uh, Halloween was filmed. Yeah. And uh, she says she's from San Diego or something like that. She's from a lot of money, and she I guess she just wanted to get away. You know, She just wanted to learn um, the real struggle of life. But, yeah. She's an artist. Like yeah, so much for that. Great idea. So <laughs> right, yeah, it's such a random thing. It's like kind of the poor, it's the poor little rich girl that yeah, was poor too, little rich girl too sheltered, and she's been what selling sketches that she's made yeah to get to Canada is her plan. That's her yeah, that's her plan. <laughs> which, uh, which is weird, <laughs> but you know when you run into a Tom Atkins, all your plans just. I will give this to Jamie Lee Curtis, though. She doesn't play it as, like, I'm a little rich girl. Like, you wouldn't have even known that if she hadn't said it. No, and actually, it was kind of... They do kind of have, like, a very small, like... Doesn't he kind of... 
almost like a, oh poor you you know like they they kind of play it off in a way that yeah felt actually again felt pretty natural for these two but like it's just i can't get over the fact that like it was after midnight when he picked her up and we will see that it turns 1 a.m in this scene and you just have bada bing bada boom i mean that might that has to be a record for tom atkins like it took even longer i mean in halloween 3 he still he had to get to like a whole other town and you know the exactly anyway (laughs) (laughs) so now all of a sudden something knocks on the door you know someone knocks on tom atkins door so they're they're knocking a really creepy way of course it's like a rhythmic way which is creepy as fuck and we see it's a guy holding that same you know no yeah they're knocking with the hook with the hook which adds to the creepiness his uh grandfather clock goes off and the glass breaks out of fucking nowhere which would have really freaked me out but tom atkins seems to be like eh, fuck it um that happens (laughs) i would have been like oh shit he's got like eight other grandfather clocks he's like he's like that's okay it's not like a family heirloom or nothing well and the other thing is like you know he seems a little unnerved that someone's knocking but he almost seems more like annoyed yeah, I'm, it blows my mind how comfortable and calm he is. First of all, all his car windows shattered right. out of nowhere. That's what, now his clock shatters. I would have been like, "Fucking, what is going on?" Right. I would have started having like hyperventilating type situation. Yeah, I wouldn't have made it back to my house after the car thing happened. Yet I would still be, I'd probably still be where I was, yeah. going like, "What hit my car?" Like, I gotta or, tell you, Matt, that is the power of whiskey, baby. You drink uh, enough whiskey, well, you're or, as cool as a cucumber. Or the road beers that he was having. Well, he probably had. He probably was like kind of sip sipping on a little whiskey in between. Yeah, and beer. he was probably like, "Shit, I better get home because I don't want a cop to see <laughs> pull over and like." <laughs> oh like, no! I'm all sure this evidence like, is here. Oh yeah, they know. I'm him. sure he gets away with it. It's a small town. No, he just gives the cop a beer. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Hey, there you go, man." So now it's the uh, next day, and uh, by the way, nothing happened. He opens the door. Right, because it turns to, to 1 a.m. Yeah, it turns to 1 a.m., so they disappear. Now it's the next day, and we see this uh, little kid by the bay. He's getting ready to fish. He sees a gold coin all of a sudden turn into a piece of, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Like driftwood. Driftwood, yeah. Yeah. He grabs it, and he acts like he found something cool. It kind of reminded me of uh, the log commercials from uh, Ren and Stimpy. Yep. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited to find a piece of fucking well, wood. I was well, like, "What the hell, kid?" Well, yeah. It's fu- it's it's funny that he still grabbed it because, like, I understand like grabbing it to like look to see if the coin was still under it, like, but like he yeah. was still he was just as excited that it turned into this thing. I'd be like, "Where's the coin?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, this was definitely before Game Boy was invented. But, yeah, uh, I would not have been outside like trying to like grab crazy magic pieces of wood uh, See, i don't know right and and to like look at what just happened and be like oh it's magic like that would, you know i mean i guess it's a good sense of wonder and i you know i guess he's new to town right i mean he is, yeah he's relatively new from chicago so this is going to be a very different place but yeah i would i would have spent more time looking to see if the the coin the gold had gotten knocked off the rock by the wood but he was super content just to grab the he was. The driftwood runs over, instead. crazy excited, brings the piece of uh, driftwood to his mom, which, by the way, is Steve, uh, Stevie, the DJ. So um, she's like, God damn it, you son of a bitch. Why are you bother me right now? You know <laughs> I work late nights. 
Um, but uh, and, anyway, she's okay with it. And they're not really that late. I mean, I know it's 1 a.m. I guess it would take her a while to get home. But, like, you know, it's probably mid-morning, right? Like, I, I, I'm thinking, like, she shouldn't be that cranky. But Yeah, well, you know, we don't know what she drank or anything. That's true. Like that, you know. Uh, I've definitely had those kind of mornings. Well, we know what the kid wants to drink, though, because this is yeah. where he throws in the, what was it, a stomach pounder and a Coke? What the hell yeah. is that? <laughs> Which, by the way, is probably some kind of, like, well-endowed guy's porn site. You know, oh, stomach, stomach pounder? Oh, of course it is. <laughs> the thing where it's like someone's holding up something to be like, that's what it would be like. <laughs> you know? Oh. So but I was uh, just like, who, what the hell? Like, I don't know. It's, it's just trying to be... It's a thing to, weird thing to say to your mom. Yeah, I'll take a stomach pounder and a coke, mom. Yeah. So they head, the kid heads back to hopefully get that gold coin. He heads back to the, to, the, to the beach. Tom Atkins is worried about his pal who was on that boat on the seagrass that got attacked. And yeah. He goes to talk to a guy named Ashcroft to, talk, to, um, to find out what's going on. And then now after that, because... Um, I don't know. Does he go? Is this the part where he talks to some guy and he's like, "I don't fucking know." They didn't come back. Yeah, he's really quick to be pissed at this point. Yeah. <laughs> like the guy, the guys are—they're not back from the night before, and like Tom seems like already pissed, like at at these guys. Like he's like, "We never got that drunk that we couldn't get back." It's just like, dude, like chill out. It's like, I mean. If they were out at midnight, again, you, trying to keep in mind, like, midnight to one, we've got that set up as, like, that's when, like, the real problems are going to be. Yeah. And if it was okay that they are out at midnight, presuming, like, this is at, like, 9, 10 a.m. at the latest, like, I would think it's they're not that late to be that angry already. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like... I think he had probably, with all the weird shit going on, maybe was a little on edge. But yeah, right. It, it is a little kind of like you know. It's just for someone place. that was so cool the night before, like when all the stuff was happening, like in his place, like someone was clearly at his door, yeah. like and he was like chill, whatever, yeah, he was. nothing That's really. True. And then here he's just like as high strung as as can be, like and it seemed very. Uh, but you know, now he's probably hungover. That's he true. probably didn't I, sleep I'm, much. I'm a little short-tempered. Uh, yeah, so I guess you know. <laughs> I, I, you know, I. What are you gonna do? I shouldn't judge him so harshly. I mean, he can really do no wrong. But like, that's true. It's Tom Atkins. Give him a fucking break, man. Right. God uh, damn it. Because otherwise, he's gonna come find me. <laughs> so then, uh, this is when we meet uh, a lady who I immediately recognize as a classic. So I work in PR and marketing. This is like the classic PR director person who is just like and we need this there and we need that there uh, like, yeah you she so plays, you got her role like right from the right away um this is mrs williams mm -hmm. um and she plays this character fantastically well uh she's there with her assistant sandy and they're getting ready for like some kind of mayor's um i don't know some kind of statue reveal right yeah yeah it's part of the the set the centennial celebration and she seems to be the yeah the planner of it and there yeah, yeah. there's going to be a statue which 
is hilariously small when when yeah. they reveal it like much. it is it's like, not it's a bust it's like it, it's yeah. not but. they had just enough money in that um community outreach budget. oh well yeah there's like 10 people in town so i guess that's right yeah because mrs williams is like some kind of like community improvement or community so at, you know I, at first i totally was assuming she was the mayor just the way you know yeah, a town that you know but yeah no it turns out she's not you know yeah she's She's one of the the people that kind of restores shit and yeah, town. like historical society or something. Yeah. yeah, but she works for the city. So then we see uh, DJ Stevie, and um, she's uh, she hears a bulletin from the Coast Guard saying that they have not heard back from the Seagrass. So we know there's some shit going on. There's been no word of them uh, since last night. So now we're on the boat with Jamie Lee and Atkins, and they are heading out to find the Seagrass, and they can see it from a distance. And we get back to Mrs. Williams, who, by the way, her husband was right. I was going to say, grass, so that right? Sucks. Yeah, that that we it's it, it's it becomes kind of a bigger thing, but it's definitely just dropped pretty early in. Like, oh yeah, that and uh, you're trying to think of like which one was he? Was he the guy muttering? Yeah, well, was he the one who was like not that happily married? Like, I thought you were happily married. Well, not that happy when like <laughs> you know it's like yeah. you're like well, I mean. None of them seemed all that great, so... No, <laughs> like, I know, none of them. And one of them was probably too young. Right, and the one guy... the la- little older. Yeah, so it was either the guy that was grizzled and muttering to himself, which, yeesh. It like, must have been the other guy. The, the guy that wasn't that, that happily married. Yeah, that wasn't that happily married. So <laughs> you kind of feel kind of mixed feelings about right. this whole thing. But she does mention that her dog was barking like crazy at the ocean. Yeah. And uh, then Sandy, who's her assistant, who, like, can't stand her really. Or she, I don't think she can't stand her, but it's just like, oh, God. Like, so chick is too much. It's funny because this is one of those things where I, um, I realized I invented, like, an extra plot moment for these two characters. Okay. <laughs> which is a weird Classic thing to do. Moment, like, right. I kept, like, waiting for it. Yeah. And I actually wrote it in my... So in my notes, when I when they first come in, I'm like, yeah, okay. So they have sex? <laughs> no, I'm not a slash fiction guy. But but that is basically, I mean, it's pretty fair that that's what you, you know, like anytime yeah, yeah. someone goes, I, I, I came up with something for these characters. <laughs> what but, is this you're talking about? So the way that um, Nancy, uh, well, wait, I don't know what her, Sandy, Sandy, Sandy yeah. um, Nancy's the actress, but um, Sandy is repeatedly almost with everything she says yes mrs williams yes mrs williams like she keeps saying the name and i swore there was a moment before when they get to the the church there was a moment where she like where mrs williams goes can you just call me mom oh i don't remember that no because it's not in the movie I've I've added that little I've added the little like thing that like this was like a strained parental like relationship and I have no idea why interesting but like I I've seen this movie so many times and I in my notes like when they when I first write that they're there I put in parentheses mom reveal (laughs) that is noting to myself that it's gonna come up and then it didn't and I'm like I think so so yeah, no, it's no, it's not. It's it's not at all. But you know, I think the other reason maybe why is because the character of Sandy, her the assistant, yeah, is, I mean, she other than seeing the chair slide earlier, which we, we talked about, and then she's you know around, she doesn't really do anything in the movie. No, so she, yeah. it, it's almost weird that this character in this 
small town, the, this party planner, like historical society person in this small town has an assistant. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Um, so, weird. yeah. So I, I think I, in my head, I'm like, there's more of a reason why they're, why she's here. And I think I just had filled it in at some point and uh, it's not. She's kind of like basically, um, what is, uh, that actress from Parks and Rec? Uh, the, yeah, yeah. It's, um, I forget her name. Leslie, it's Leslie's. uh, Well, I mean the character's name. Yeah. It's uh, Amy Poehler or no, but like, she's like, Mrs. Williams is like Amy Poehler. And then, um, Sandy is like, what's her name? The, the younger girl who's, um, with the guy from, she was in the office as well. Guardians of the galaxy, uh, in that movie, in that show. Yeah. I forget her name, but y'all know who I'm talking about, but yeah, she's like very sarcastic. and just right. like, okay. Uh, yes, Mrs. Williams. <laughs> right. Exactly. And you know, and it seems like there was so much like either, it, it seemed like a, a relationship that, or like a, a I guess I, I felt like there had to be so much more to it because, like, we yeah, have no context a, as to why, like... Was, to me, it was, like, stuffed in for maybe runtime, like, the <laughs> relationship between... By the way, I was thinking of Aubrey Plaza. That's the... Okay, Sandy yeah, reminds me of Aubrey Plaza big time. It's really funny. Well, and it's funny because, um, like, while some of this stuff is unnecessary, or at least, you know... It, it's not... But it just feels like cushion. I like it all, though. That's the other thing it's about funny. it, though. No, well, and that's the weird um, thing, is is that's where it, it works in a way that, like, other movies that do the same kind of approach, this ensemble cast, that, like, you know, it's kind of cutting back and forth between all these different people, and you don't really stay with anyone long enough to know too much about them. Yeah. And um, that can be... I, I mean, that can make it frustrating to even care about yeah. any characters but in this one like i like it i'm fine with it dun, 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 dun. check out this podcast memento mori an object serving as a warning or reminder of death death is inevitable but how it happens can be tragically unfair it can be dark cruel hateful or just plain bizarre I'm Megan, and I'll be your guide through these stories of chaos and devastation. Come listen as we dive into all types of true crime cases and learn about the evil that lurks among us as well as the victims that deserved none of it. Join me every Monday for a missing person minisode and every Thursday for a regular episode. You can go to mementomoripod.com for more information. Monsters are real, and they look like people. So it makes it much more fun to watch them. They have a good little vibe back and forth. But uh, we go we go away from there's a lot of cuts. And, so we cut from them, and then we see we're on the seagrass now, and there's no one on board. They can't find anybody, so we don't know what's going on. And then we cut back to Mrs. Williams and Sandy. They pull up to this like old. Um, uh, what we find out is the the old church and cemetery, and Mrs. Williams says that it's her like latest project. And that she wants to have this uh, cemetery restored to it uh, because it has historical significance. So she works in community affairs. I yeah. Same community outreach, but same shit. So she imagines yeah. that um, trying to get involved in community affairs is, or trying to get people involved in community affairs is like pulling teeth. So she tells Sandy to get the estimates ready for some meeting with the council. And Sandy responds with a sarcastic sounding, yes, ma'am. 
And Mrs. Williams says, oh. Sandy, you're the only person I know who can make yes, ma'am, sound like screw you. Yep, and she just, <laughs> yes, ma'am, then, one more yeah, time. Sandy Boom. responds with, yes, ma'am. And we have to say, San, um, Sandy, oh, that I have that exact line written down because that I think is might be my favorite, like, it's not a movie that has like a ton of like memorable dialogue it's not really what this movie is it's not a lot of one-liners right exactly that one is just perfect and um so sandy is uh nancy loomis and she's in halloween she was annie brackett the uh first babysitter killed that's right um and i know she's been in some she was in other things and stuff Mm -hmm. and um you know definitely her presence here it does all kind of again especially since the character doesn't really do too much in it like feels a lot like let's get the band back together you know we got jamie we got a little something to do yeah Yeah. but like um i i think her i i love her performance and you know and i don't know much beyond i mean again i know she was in a few movies i don't remember if if she was one of those like kind of fell into it accidentally and didn't really have yeah, a, I think Carpenter liked her, and he seemed to throw her in a lot of this. Right, and then she just yeah. sort of stopped. Yeah, exactly. Really but like, but I always liked her in in Halloween. Like I, you know, I thought she was. Um, she plays this kind of yeah, kind of sarcastic, a little bit more like. She's the friend that like her insults cut a little bit deeper right like yeah. you know like like well yeah cause she, you might kind of joke like around with right you know? she, she might like dry delivery it, yeah it's like you'll joke around with her but like oh man a couple of the things she'll say <laughs> will kind of hit you a little bit and you'll be like ooh, yeah we'll get to some of those right but so. um and and but i so yeah i really appreciate like seeing her in this movie though because as again someone that hasn't i don't think did that much um, you know, I, I always remember her just as Annie in Halloween, and in a way, honestly, this is like it's the same character. So maybe that's maybe this yeah. is just what she did, you know. But uh, yeah, but I mean, because <laughs> and, and then it might be just like she's the you know, it's like the the guy that played Randall in Clerks. It's like that guy's yeah. you know, it's like that's his, this he, is her. Yeah, he does it does. perfectly don't ask him to do anything else like yeah no she plays this very well but Um, yeah i do really like the fact that once they get into the church um that we opened up the movie with by the way they're in the same this is when we find out like oh this is the same church we saw the the the, the father malone and the um, carpenter in and um because right as they're about to walk in right after the the yes ma'am you know um the janet lee's next line is say a little prayer asking asking he not be in his cups <laughs> <laughs> yeah like that's as they're walking in so basically it's like okay he's got a reputation they, yeah the town knows like that we, we knows. that's how we were introduced to hal holbrook he's a booze hound and it, it's not a secret so. future me it's uh, <laughs> yeah. so the ladies walk in they're looking for him and I don't know if this is to pay homage to Halloween, but this dude pops out of the oh. darkness like a Nosferatu, bro. <laughs> I, I wrote in my notes, awesome slash hilarious jump scare. He's like, hello? <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Where'd you like, come from, some bitch? It's like he was just sitting there or something. Yeah. 
Apparently, oh. in post, they darkened that um, where it, he was. It looked kind of unnatural. Like, yeah, it, like he you comes know, out of like, like he's a shadow person. Right. I was like, what the fuck? And and and, and considering what the, you know, the the ghosts look like, you know, I'm sure that's exactly what they were going for was to yeah. echo, you know. But obviously, this scene takes place during the day. Um, so there's just this really it's dark little, corner in a church. It's a little jump scare. And it I is. like it because Mrs. Williams says, Jesus. And then she goes, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Good. good shit. And so then good old Father Malone starts to give us a bit of what's going on here by reading that journal. Dude, and he's clearly not slept since. Oh, no. Like, yeah, he is. He is uh, what we call in San Antonio, puro pedo. <laughs> and, uh, and he's you know he's reading the journal but then we cut back to atkins and curtis who are now aboard the ship um and they're kind of walking around but then we get back to the father and he mentions that his uh grandfather um while he's reading the journal we find out deliberately sank this uh it was called a clipper ship apparently, that's right yeah elizabeth dane yes uh so uh, it was basically re- being led by a wealthy leprosy afflicted owner who by the way they decided to name blake which i think is a way too modern name for, <laughs> for right, unless is it is is it his last name though? could be his last i name, think maybe. that might be what it is okay because because yeah i know i kept thinking because i, I was like like griffin <laughs> right yeah just like but yeah i'm 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 gonna i i can only think that it has to be his, his last, last name. name um because otherwise, yeah, it's just like... I would have thought, like, Seamus. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> Cody the Leper, you know? Like. Yeah, Cody the Leper. And uh, <laughs> they, they wanted to establish a, a, um, a colony nearby. Like, not even... like Yeah, close. that what I thought was kind of a, another weird point. It's like, so this area, it's like they, it was going to be adjacent. It was like 10 miles... Like... Antonio Bay is where we take place, but where Blake wants to establish, like, the leper colony wasn't even... It's not like it was like, we want to come to your town. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's like, uh, but they didn't even want them close by, apparently. Right. So they they somehow, they, you know, we find out more, but um, basically we're able to, to, to take down the ship, and they use the gold that, pl- that they took from the ship to fund the town. So the town is yeah. like basically, basically like America, you know, just yeah. founded on blood and sadness. Yeah, uh. it was. Look what you guys have; it's ours now. Exactly. Well, and do we say like so? He's reading the diary, and yeah. that it is his. Yeah, it was his grandfather. So it was. It was another father Malone. So Malone, you know. He's a direct descendant. He's a direct descendant of the person where this and and this church was essentially built then too, right? Because so this like, whole town he's like is boning then because then if his grandfather is a priest, well, I guess I mean he is could it have Catholic? Been from a sibling? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I guess it. Yeah, he could have been a sibling. But you know, the other thing I think that's a little funny now. Again, thinking about it this way, it's like so the whole town is a hundred years old, and yes. we're. Uh, basically establishing that like everything in this town was more or less built at that time funded by these ill-gotten this ill-gotten gold including the church right because that's why things are in the walls that church looks way older yeah it does like they went medieval church in their design which wouldn't make sense in america anyways but like 
so this guy's got like masonry stones yeah inside his office and like bro like, like this is some old shit right and i've been and, in some old catholic churches and like right damn but even like a hundred you know a hundred years ago they weren't doing like anything not like that. Ba- not bare masonry <laughs> like no. but yeah so i thought that was a little like <laughs> again. i think that was definitely ambiance yeah. oh yeah and again that's the other thing it's like you know when it's a a ghost story you gotta forgive a lot of that stuff and just go yeah. with it but like when when you have to sit there and you know you're taking notes and you're starting to do the math like again thinking of the hour that tom and jamie spent together not even hour <laughs> yeah things start to like you start to question stuff you're like what the <laughs> fuck is going on here but uh <laughs> after all that uh him reading the journal we see uh atkins who um decides to drink an old beer that's in the boat he's like a fucking uh, a weird s- detective person yeah he sniffs it like he sniffs it like it's wine like he swirls it and like it's a can of beer he takes a little sip and he's like i taste salt water in this which yeah. he finds perplexing because he himself got that boat going and cleaned it up and was like this was dry as a bone right. like just not long ago and now it's like it's been turned over basically yeah right like n- as they're walking through it, the entire lower deck or whatever of the looks like it's been submerged. Yeah, which... and uh, they're just like sitting in the ship, uh, Atkins and Curtis. And Curtis says, uh, "Sorry, because ever since that he picked her up, you know, shit's pretty much hit the fan in in Antonio." And uh, Atkins is like, "Don't worry about it. You're hot." Uh, right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, she's like, I'm bad luck, and he's like, I don't believe in luck. Or, yeah, you know. he's like, I don't believe in luck. Yeah. And Atkins talks about his dad. I'm not sure if you have more about this, but he talks about his dad being a fisherman, and he mentions that he came along some kind of brig. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you have a lot on this. I didn't write so, too many notes, but like, it's a basic whole story about his dad basically has come into contact with right. this old you know, uh, clipper ship. So, you know, yeah, it... it it basically it's like his dad survived or you know or running with them um because yeah he describes it as um what like his dad found like he saw this ship that couldn't have been there yeah it was like coming right at him and in its wake he found like a gold doubloon and that ties i love that word gold doubloon yeah and then it which ties back to you know kind of well it was kind of the opposite like the kid sees the gold coin and then comes away with the piece of driftwood yeah and um again this is there was another moment where in my notes i i at, at tom at his story here i go again try and think of it like without the prologue and it's like you know now we're getting these pieces like okay we saw like a ghost ship we saw the 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 murders we all this weird stuff and now we're getting this story from tom and it's like you know you're kind of seeing where all the pieces yeah they're are, all but, coming together yeah and apparently is so this gold coin dated was minted spain 1867 so of course like i would have done the same thing that dad puts it in his pocket yeah and he comes over he comes home and he starts to tell the story to his kid and uh to to little atkins and, <laughs> and he, <laughs> little he atkins in his, he still has a mustache you know like thanks pop it would he be the same head it's <laughs> a little body sorry <laughs> <laughs> he reaches in his pocket and the coin is gone yeah. 
So it's like, holy shit. So that stayed in Atkins' memory, like, all these years. And then all of a sudden we see a fake-out yeah. kind of scare where the lock, um, a locker door kind of slams because open. Because it's been precariously, like, a, the locker is, like, tipped over, and they're sitting in a path up a throughway or something and yeah the way the locker's framed in there and knowing what kind of movie you're watching you're like okay something's gonna a happen. body's gonna fall out of that nothing happens and then all the fucking and then i think jamie lee curtis is like all right i'm gonna go back to you know san diego or whatever the hell she said she was gonna go back yeah. to. and then all of a sudden a fucking dead bot like a rotten dead body comes like just falling yeah. on her and this is like an actual person. It looks like this doesn't look like a yeah. That doesn't look like a dummy. No, that, that I think that's what makes it. That was awesome that they did that because they could have just made a dummy, but it helps that it it has weight to it. It's right, because like she definitely form. like kind of buckles. Yeah, under like, it. Oh shit! That was definitely an add-on, and I'm glad they added it. Yeah, that's probably the best um, horror movie type. When it's a scare. and it's a perfect one-two punch because of the fake out. You know, yes. you get the fake out, and then you get the moment where you're like, ah, okay, they got Here me, but go. it was yeah, nothing. they got. I'm sure boom. people just fucking yeah. jumped in the theater. I mean, this was pretty fresh back then, so that must have been insane because it it still kind of freaked me out. I was listening with headphones on, so it, that they of course have like that yeah um, accented like ching. You know? Yeah, the music sting just hits. Yeah, the and, music sting. It gets you good. Yeah, the headphones are not like Oof. they're not good for my uh, like I, I'm, I'm not normally a jump scare person, but if I've got headphones on oof. Mm -hmm. You're like fully entrenched. Yeah, exactly. So then Father Malone says that uh, the event to celebrate the year the city was founded is uh, pretty fucked up. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. the town this was is, funded by cold-blooded murderers. This is Hal Holbrook just like he's so good owning I the scene. Him. Yeah, because because he could have. I mean, he could have done the equivalent of like the grizzled guy on the ship muttering to himself. Like mm -hmm. that guy's, you know, like there's no fog, blah blah blah. Like yeah. that was pretty much almost parody. Like of yeah. and they're setting Malone up like you know he's a drunk he's a pre you know like there's so many like he didn't he could have been so unlikable um yeah, he could have and sure. that seemed to be kind of what they were setting him i don't know setting him up as is someone just not to really put much stock in and yeah he, so when he's reading this and telling the story and kind of like he is bringing some weight to it that like he, he really I don't know, he really sells, like, he really does a good job with it, and he makes you like Malone, even though, you know, you've kind of been coached by the movie so far to look at him a little... Questionable. Kind of, yeah, questionable. Like, even he, better is he delivers all his lines as if you can tell he has booze in him. Oh, but yeah, exactly. It's articulate, kind of like what I'm doing, but at the <laughs> same time, you can tell, like, oh, this guy is, like... This guy's feeling it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he is. He He's is awesome. A, I love him. He's he got is a great a, stash too. Oh yeah. Well, and that's exactly that's why we're, we're honoring him. You know that he was. He started out as the runner-up because Atkins shaved, but he quickly, he quickly more than earned his place. Like, oh, you he know, definitely like, did. Well, and because he, you know, in a way, he, he's. If you're thinking about John Carpenter movies, he's almost the donald pleasance of this movie you know 
in that, like, in Halloween, Donald Pleasance with, as Loomis, like, he's the expert, and he he seems to know what Michael's capable of, and he's the one that's going to, like, deliver the, the kind of hammy lines of dialogue, but, like, because he's so good, like, you like, you, you know, like, in... Donald Pleasance does like the the devil's eyes, you know, like the or this isn't a man, you know, like these lines where you're like, okay, another actor in that line would have sunk hard, you know, like it just would not. And and Hal Holbrook's kind of serving in that role, but he's got this extra, and 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 this is a testament to the performance is you can tell that his character is just learning this information too. This is not. This isn't a secret that he's been burdened with all these yeah. years. Yeah, you're just seeing the weight come on him now. Yeah, like and what? By the way, Holbrook is still alive. Everybody, he is, he is? 95 <laughs> years old and is still alive. He's Cleveland, Ohio's own. Oh man! And I know people from Cleveland, Ohio, and they fucking love their city. Y'all need to watch this movie and honor Holbrook because this guy represents. Cleveland, Ohio. He he was in the United States Army. He fought in World War Two. Like this guy's a pretty badass dude. Yeah, like, just like holy shit, man. And, and it's funny because it's like, you know, I I don't know where in his career, like in terms of, you know, was he like in a slump? You know, whenever you see like a, a kind of a classy actor in a horror movie, you always have to start wondering that like. Okay, was yeah. this early in their career, or is this in like the 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 roles are drying up? So I'll just take this, you know, like you know, where, at what part is he, you know, in that? Because so many of the other faces in this movie are associated with Halloween and like John Carpenter specifically, so he seems almost out of place as kind of the uh the veteran actor at this point you know even at this yeah you know and um so i don't know how like he managed you know carpenter managed to get him in it or you know yeah they may have caught him at a good time like i think i think like two years or three years later he probably wouldn't have done a movie like this or a horror movie like this because mm. horror movies got so campy and so ridiculous right very quickly um that i don't think he would have done it and yeah maybe he you know it obviously obviously was a smaller part but he may have seen halloween and really respected it, yeah you know that. i was gonna say yeah and that's true i mean i for some reason in my head i always think that i mean i have to keep reminding myself that this movie's 1980 because yeah, for some like reason still 70s feeling it was yeah made in the 70s. It, it feels like that but it also it's sometimes like i could think like oh this was the movie carpenter went back and made in like 85 right like yeah. you know okay i did a few things now i gotta go they want me to go back to horror and you know um yeah. so it's it, i forget that it's so close to halloween so like the critical claim you know the success of of that still carpenter's current. name is gonna and you know and, and this is pretty close to like the um the perfect american version of a classy british horror movie yeah it does feel very britishy horror you know, um, normally Carpenter, you, the thing about him is he's always making a Western without making a Western. That's kind of what people, you know, always say about yeah Carpenter. Whereas, like, this is, like, the he's making a Hammer horror film. Um, 
It's good stuff, man. <laughs> you know, I, you're right though. It does feel like that a lot. So you could see a, an actor like a Hal Holbrook, who you know, probably has you know decent time spent like on the stage or you know like different mm-hmm. thing. You know, um, kind of different kind of credits like that. Like still finding something in this, you know, as a very kind of classic feeling ghost yeah, like story a full part to be a, uh, to be in oh exactly and yeah, he really good. does he delivers the weight like the you know it really he what he really quickly becomes the like um you know if uh he's like tortured by the legacy that he's realized he's a part of and 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 maybe a legacy that he was already feeling like even though he didn't know about it, obviously there was something see, and in that him because he that, was already a fucking drunk. So. Right. That that was gonna be see. That was my question. He had right. And and I and sometimes you know in a way I guess it's cool that we don't know exactly. But there's also that part of me that goes, well, what else was getting to him? Like, did he have a suspicion that there was something was some, wrong? And, and, yeah. and maybe that would, I mean, I guess, you know, a hundred years is not, I mean, obviously that's not that long of a period In of time. Picture of, yeah, and if you are a direct descendant, like of the person that founded this church, you, there's probably enough family history and record that you might maybe have been them, like, where did the initial funding come from? You know, yeah. like, so maybe, you know, those questions were already there. It's like, also like just the spiritual negativity, like the negative dark sure. energy of like when, you, you know. Yeah, I, this can't be the first time that he's probably been. Yeah. Like, it's just like an energy. You know, I think when your ancestors have done things, you know, I, I'm not like a super spiritual person, but I feel like those things carry some sort of weight and are carried down generation to generation. Right. Um, so yeah, you know, you never know. Uh, uh, and that he's, he and he's also carried down. And he well. would have probably known his grandfather. And if his grandfather yeah. was tortured by this, like just just yeah. by the actual act, then Might that have a lot of love in his. Yeah. Yeah. But it's funny though because sense. so much you know because none of that is really you know talked about and we only get those few visual cues like okay he's not you know he's drinking right when we first see him uh bennett's not getting paid which means that there must be a cash i mean it's a church i hate to it's weird to say a cash flow problem but like you know donations or whatever must be down small town yeah right so it's like that has to be where those questions are coming in like how did we you know how did i get how did we get this place yet i can't seem to make ends meet with the donor you know like yeah no it makes sense um it does make sense and he seems to and again since none of that's written it's like he conveys that like he leaves enough room you know in his performance to for you to kind of backfill you know that stuff and yeah um it's really great. Like I honestly, uh, I love I love what he does here. We'll we'll definitely run into some more scenes with him. But until well, then, well, in this scene though, one last thing because because yeah. um, he's he's reading the the journal to um, Mrs. Williams and Sandy, and he has like probably the one of the best lines of the movie which was the our celebration tonight is a travesty we're honoring murderers yeah yeah and he's saying that like 
to Mrs. Williams, who's been like planning this. Like, yeah, yeah. He says like the complete opposite of what she's trying to do. Like, right. it's like, you know, it's like if you said that during like the very beginning of Thanksgiving dinner. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just be like, you, you know, uh, this holiday's bullshit, right? <laughs> just right from the travesty. start. Let's honor murderers and eat this turkey, which we also got murdered. Right, exactly. So, yeah. But it's yeah. pretty fucked up, but it's perfect. Oh, it's such a good line. Good stuff. Like, so, I loved it. Um, and then we see uh, we see uh, DJ Stevie arrive, and we see a signage of KB thirteen forty. She takes a goddamn like two mile walk. Dude, that is a street. hell of a commute. Like it's, the walk, because <laughs> she has to walk all the way to a lighthouse. Yeah. Which has its own staircase and pathway to get to. It's pretty. Uh, luckily, at least her lighthouse isn't super tall. So it's right. Like it's yeah. It's a down. It's like it's not too much. You know. Yeah. Like some of them are pretty hardcore. So then uh, she gets in there, and we hear like a generic ad. Yeah, uh, she's playing. she's got like a portable cassette player, and she's playing her bump like the bumpers, the, the bumpers, promos. Yeah. yeah. They're just kind of going in and out. And then we are back with uh, Mrs. William Sandy and Father Malone, and, and that's when he mentions uh, what what you were mentioning about uh, that he's not look because they even ask him like, "Are you going to at least do the benediction for the special event?" And yeah, he, he says, says another line because yeah, he is, says something else. Well, or he doesn't. I don't know if he says anything. No, no, he does because so the last scene right before we go back to stevie he does the line about like the we're honoring murderers it cuts yeah. to her doing her thing and then it comes back and this is the time he's saying like it's um the six conspirators met a hundred years ago and they met and they planned and committed the murderers the murders of blake yeah. and the other lepers between midnight and one and yeah. um and she and so yeah um Mrs. Williams says, uh, are you going to give the benediction tonight? And he doesn't answer her. He just goes, Antonio Bay has a curse on it. And then uh, Sandy, Sandy goes, yeah, then Sandy goes, can we take that as a no? <laughs> <laughs> She's the best. And then she, and then Hal Holbrook follows it up with, we're all cursed. Like He's yeah. in his own world at this yeah, point. Yeah, he is already like in that level of, oh shit, some shit's going down Like, and I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. So they're back at the station, uh, where, or we're back at the station, and that piece of driftwood that Stevie's uh, weird kid found is resting on top of an 8-track shelf. And all of a sudden, starts leaking water out of it, out of it which is a great effect. And mm. um, then this crazy, evil-sounding message comes into her speaker. Yeah, it does like almost like the it's like the back masking of like the satanic panic. Like you play the album backwards, and yeah, you hear because because yeah, it's like these like um, upbeat like. J- um jazzy jingles with like you're listening to kab you know it's just these kind of some different variations of the same couple words but then yeah suddenly it morphs into like i some dark shit yeah you can words are being said but like yeah, you can hardly tell what he's saying um if you have captions you could probably see it but it is definitely like a message of like basically announcing we're coming through we're going to take some lives yeah and there's a all of a sudden an explosion goes off on the driftwood and you see that the driftwood says six must die Mm -hmm. and oh actually that's when you see it says six must die then it explodes and then stevie grabs an extinguisher a fire extinguisher blows it out and it goes back to just saying dane yeah and the the tape play i mean like you know the water's 
basically dried up, I think, because yeah, like, even like the tape here, even the tape goes back to playing like normal, like, no, you know, um, it's crazy, but it's the pretty, water like, cool paranormal type. Um, yeah. Event that they captured pretty well. Like, um, it is something that you would imagine. Um, and I wonder if, I don't know, Carpenter's prep had a lot to do with like people's, um, paranormal experiences and stuff, but he definitely took a lot of those elements and put them in this movie. Well, again, like I said, stuff. It, it's it's amazing because it, it you know you made the comment that like there is a ghost hunter show right now that like that same you could see like the person that they're like whose house they're kind of investigate like that's the story they would tell like you know my, I was listening to something and then you know it it ch- it visually changed and then like I heard this weird voice I mean it's it, it is such a yeah like a kind of a classic haunt you know paranormal experience yeah totally uh and so then after that we are back on the boat with atkins and jamie lee and atkins mentions that it's it's really freaking weird that it's as if this dude drowned in water even though he was still uh aboard you know, yeah the, that's the how can a man drown and not touch the water it's really weird um and so then uh now stevie's freaked out and she calls her kid and she's like stop picking haunted shit off the shore <laughs> i love that <laughs> It's like she's so close to just blaming him. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is your fault. Yeah. You brought this yeah. curse over to her, the whole community. So she makes him promise that he won't go wandering outside the house. He says, "Yes, I promise." And uh, he has a babysitter that's coming over. Um, and uh, the kid does notice that uh, there is some fog that's coming through. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the, the things are beginning to happen uh, uh, this evening. So then we see a guy named Doctor Phoebes. <laughs> <laughs> which is nice you gotta love that yeah he's the mortician and he's evaluating uh the body of the guy from from the ship and he's confused because he is his wounds are covered with algae and he looks like he's been in the water for a long time like he's been underwater for a month yeah though um you know he's like i saw him just three days ago and he looks like he's been underwater for a month yeah and Atkins is trying to tell him, like, dude, I was he was on the boat. Like I was on the boat, I saw him, he was below decks. Right, yeah, he yeah. He was nowhere be. near the water. Like or Yeah. It's crazy. So uh, I guess uh they bring in that supernatural thing of like these revenants, you know, obviously whatever they put you through, um has an effect. It's like beyond reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's as if you've been in the water drowning just as they did. You know right yeah like and that i think that's kind of interesting though because of like in the movie we constantly see like how quickly the fog retreats when it's done yet it has brought in all of this kind of evidence that it was there you know and it's yeah but um but it's a cool you know yeah it's definitely it, it makes for some good cryptic um yeah, they keep a Moments. lot of things kind of cryptic. You know, they don't they don't bring you all the answers. They leave you a little to the imagination, especially this next part because oh yeah, while yeah. they're talking, Atkins does mention like, oh man, like I got it's gotten pretty cold all of a sudden. And, yeah, uh, he does the classic. Yeah, it's the classic. Yeah, it's cold. You know, cold spot. Uh, and the dead body somehow gets up from its slumber and starts walking toward Curtis, and uh, he runs out of steam. You know, he's like, <laughs> yeah. He, he, you know, 
he was drunk before he died. So, like, you know, he's still feeling that. God damn it. He falls down, and then everyone comes in after Jamie Lee Curtis screams, and we see that the dead body scraped a three yeah. to the floor. So three left to kill, I guess is what that means. Right. So we saw the driftwood says six must die. We know there are six conspirators, and then there's been three deaths so far, right? So. Yep. There's How a lot of math in this movie. Like There's that a lot of math. you got to keep track of what these uh, movements um, are telling us what's oh, going to happen. You know, and one thing I want to say, like in the scene where she, where Stevie was driving back, when she's listening to the, the promos, when she's driving to work, and a lot of those shots, um, kind of more establishing shots, uh, Carpenter's score in this movie is amazing. I mean, I know he's, he's known for that, but like... And again, I'm not a musician, so I have no idea how to really talk about music other than to say, in this movie, his score is 50% Halloween, 50% The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it mashes together in a way that is, I mean, for me, it was like so spot on perfect. I think what makes it eerie or weird is the fact that um, he doesn't overcomplicate the, the comp- you know, the composition Right. Doesn't use too many instruments. Um, keeps it in that um, kind of like flat sounding. Like it's just in that. Weird There's a lot tone. of really repetitive. Yes. It was, no. It's, yeah. It's good. I, um, and 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 I, again, I'm also one of those people that like it. I I don't always n- notice music in 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 movies, and usually when I do. It's either got to be like so amazing, like Halloween, where it's like it's it's integral to the movie. Like you need that score. Yeah. But more than likely, I'm gonna notice the score when it's done bad or when it takes me out of it, because if if I'm really just immersed in it, it's just a piece of the movie, and I'm not necessarily. But um, I felt like this time, uh, this was tipped more towards that Halloween side, where it's like I noticed it, yeah. and I'm and. And I'm happy I noticed it because I was just um, really taken in with like it was like it was the ghost it was the ghost story version of the Halloween you know like yeah and it's it's been it's definitely was mimicked afterward but um, this is a really good representation of uh, the the kind of music you really want in this sort of movie yeah it, it, I loved it. Um, so now then we see a big town the big town we're at the big town event, <laughs> oh yeah the sheriff lets mrs williams know that the coast guard is looking for her husband um she gets very emotional here which by the way i read that there was like up to like a bunch of takes like 11 or 12 takes of this oh, i'm man. sure there's some fog expert that knows um but apparently um the actress is so um you know um so professional about it that she was able to just work in tears every time every time yeah. she had to give a take she mentions again that her dog was barking last night and she was uh really just wanting her husband to come home and even through all this emotion she keeps it mrs williams keeps it professional she yeah she, she composes herself <laughs> yeah, yeah she composes herself she goes to speak at the event and then we hear stevie on the radio and atkins and Curtis listen in on at the bar. Yeah, they're they're at the bar and they're yeah, they're at a bar. I guess it's like a neighboring bar near and, the uh the big event. And I will say this, we see um Atkins and Jamie Lee Curtis um at the bar. They'd just been, you know, talking with uh what, the sheriff 
mm-hmm. and uh, um, Mrs. Williams, and the bartenders in the background, and it's Danny McBride. I mean, it's it's not, but my God, yeah, like, it's pretty close. That guy, I, I was just like looking back, and I've. <laughs> I, it just cracked me up because I was, you know, I was just thinking like, man, that's imagine him just pitching Carpenter Halloween then being like, <laughs> okay, in like thirty nine more years, I'm gonna redo your movie. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Um, but also in this scene, and I'm sure it was said earlier, but I. F- Tom Atkins finally says his character's name when he's when he calls the radio station from the payphone. He calls Stevie, and his mm-hmm. character's name is Nick Castle, and that's the name of the guy who played Michael Myers in Halloween. That's <laughs> and it's course. John Carpenter's friend, Nick Castle. He's a director. You know, since then he directed The Last Starfighter and various movies, but he played Michael in. Um, Boy, in Halloween, to keep it in the family. He totally does, yeah. and you know, um, but you know, I think they, I think you know, they obviously he said Nick when he, he introduced himself to Jamie Lee Curtis after they had sex. Yeah, but like he this That's time he, it. yeah, I think that was it because I noticed he's like, yeah, this is Nick Castle, and I was just like, wow, like yeah, he just really like. So I just held on to it. Yeah. So then, uh, so Stevie mentions the uh, seagrass incident, and he he does call her, and he mentions his name, but he wants to talk about the fog, and so she says that <clears throat> this will sound strange, but she says she saw the fog last night out in the distance, and that it was glowing. She says that the wind was moving due east, but the fog was like "fuck you, yeah, east, yeah. I'm gonna go west." So she was like super puzzled by that, and then also it's sort of hilarious because she tells him to hold up one second because then she does a little radio voice right away. Yep. Like, oh, I know. <laughs> and in her train, again, it's, they're such good. small moments, but man, good stuff. So good. So then she tells Atkins about that driftwood also that her kids saw. So right away, things are starting to come together. Yeah. Like the, this is actually the first point, which are kind of the, the plots meet. I mean, yeah. We're all starting to communicate now uh, with uh, the weirdness that is happening. The weather guy is all horned up, of course. And yep. uh, he, um, because he heard, I think Stevie mentioned him or something like that. Yeah, because he's driving. He's like. Yeah. By the way, he has like the brightest console ever. Like he's like yeah. glowing green. Uh, I guess the early 1980s cars, goddamn, like the bright. Like, oh, I know. Oh, yeah. It's just, and you think like there's not that much. There wasn't that much on them, but I guess if one big backlight just, yep, yeah, that's right. Because he says, uh, because uh, when she cuts back into the radio when she's talking to to Tom Atkins, she's like, and we'll check in with the weatherman, and it cuts to him. He's like, and the weatherman will be ready to check in with you. He's just yeah. driving, talking. He's to so him. horny. And it's um, um again, it's a guy from Halloween, so you know it's Sheriff Brackett. Which is yep. uh, so another you know as soon as you see him it's like yep okay another he put on another. his uh, douchebag hat for this movie I know it's um, kind of weird but it's like weird but it works yeah, oh yeah he goes to the station the weather station and uh, we see the one African American in this movie <laughs> from what I can remember uh, and uh, there might have been co-workers. one at the celebration maybe maybe <laughs> it's kind of dark but uh, <laughs> well, uh, what I love though is like. This line of dialogue is so unnecessary. Like the idea that, like, hey, I thought you were off tonight. It's like, ah, no, I. So it's like it was supposed to be Dan, the weatherman's, um, night off. 
but he decides yeah, to come right. in. So it's like that that other guy was just super ready to leave work. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, was what like, was he expecting? Like, was he, he expecting was like, someone else or like? <laughs> I know he was like, well, fuck it, I'm going to capitalize on this situation and get the hell out of here. If you yeah, want, which you was know. the smartest thing. I mean got to be smooth about it i guess he was he was smooth but it just cracked me up though because it's like why did you make it his night off because <laughs> yeah. now i just have so many more questions it's like is there a third because it seems like it's just these two guys like one's the yeah, day one's the night shift and it's like the other guy was like yep cool you're here all right whatever it's really fun uh, he lets them know about that fog that's coming in so then we cut back to atkins and curtis and they head out to the lighthouse Stevie gets a call from the weather guy who tells her about the fog coming through. Um, he says he'll be at the weather station in 10 minutes. So then Stevie seems concerned as fuck, of course. And all yeah. of a sudden in the window behind the weather guy, we start seeing the fog bellowing like a son of a bitch. <laughs> Dude, you would like so notice that. <laughs> yeah, it just looks like he came through with his posse. It's like, yeah. God damn, Snoop yeah. Dogg's here. Shit, open the door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, they make sure you, you know, I'm surprised he doesn't notice it, but... Um, we definitely have a good angle of it behind him and he's acting like a super baller yeah um you know he, he's as he's charming just, as can be yeah as charming as he can be he's like whoever because uh, all of a sudden we hear a knock at his door yeah it's the like, same that same hook knock yep and he's like whoever's there will not like finding me home <laughs> yeah, good when you see this guy like i mean He's a you know he made a convincing small town sheriff in Halloween for a reason. He's a little doughy, just like yeah, kind of a goofy looking guy. Like so, he's not gonna pull off like he he's not gonna be the tough guy. That's like like <laughs> yeah, look who you're messing with. It's like nah, I'm, we're good. Like so uh, goodbye weatherman because yeah. this fucking dude kills his ass like a son of a bitch. Um, and Stevie hears all the ruckus and hears him dying and shit. Um, so she knows some shit is going on. It's a uh, pretty rough, uh, but it's an awesome scene. It was good to kind of see the horny guy die. Yeah, um, and um, the, it was like the fish hook right to the throat, which was like, I think Johnny Glecky got it that way, and I know what you did last summer, so. <laughs> Just, hey, I just so you know. You have a case here, man. You definitely have I, a case. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. I'm going to win the argument that no one is having. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I know. No one's ever noticed it, but you, you definitely have a case. But, um, and this is another moment where it's like we're, we're seeing um, that the fog is being, it's tactical, right? Like, it, yes. it, it's, it went for the weatherman on purpose. purpose. It knows, you know, like. So it and, doesn't like know, narcs. I, this is yeah, I seriously. The fog doesn't like people shouting out where it's gonna be. Right. It's like you know what? I'm going to rid of you. I'm just going to get rid of you, and uh, nobody will know where I want to go next. I just love it. It's like as the fog like is pulling out to sea. You just like people are like, yeah, that was super weird, and I kept hearing it yell, "Narc." Fucking <laughs> <laughs> did, did you hear that? <laughs> like, just like. <laughs> oh man. But, so we're back uh, uh oh sorry go ahead no i was gonna say but like that i you know it, it's it's a cool moment of like really escalating the tension because you know we saw it earlier we saw how like the fog moved went into the generator to, to for the boat you know now it's like oh okay this went to the weatherman and then took him out 
and you know and just and then it, like immediately we see it retreat it's so it's like it went in to do the one yes. thing it did it's purposeful yeah and and this is where we really get a lot of fog movement um right because we're with mrs williams she's giving some generic ass speech with i've seen him i've seen shit like this a million oh yeah times. it's the worst um then we see stevie who calls the sheriff to call the radio station because she heard something go on with the weatherman and she tells him to like give her a call yeah she's doing it over um just broadcasting over the air right yeah because and the sheriff luckily you know he does hear it um and unfortunately he gives her a call but the the weed smoke blows out the telephone <laughs> See, line i love it i just love like the idea of it being like okay this is what it's got like a checklist it's just like <laughs> it's all knowing and right shit. It's, it's th- that is the magic of the fog it just knows exactly where it needs to be because you know i think when you say the fog and you know i think there's a lot of ways that you can kind of um think about it almost and think about it more like the mist the the, the movie based on the stephen king that you know yeah, the mist. where you know once that's if i'm remembering it correctly like once it settled in it was just kind of all around all encompassing where you know and that's you know and i think if you heard the fog that's what you would think of it's like okay now this town is just covered in fog and it's all gonna all the you know supernatural stuff's gonna happen while the the town is blanketed in it and it's and it's it moves much more like michael myers would it's 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 not really covering large swaths of um territory at once it's moving in a very strategic place to place which sneaky way yeah but but it's funny because it's just like it's fog (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i know you can run into things and 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 um be physical with things even though it's fog uh so I right guess it's supposed to be as if it's like an essence of something that we're just not seeing right we well um, we've we've seen it be these you ghosts know, yes we've seen it come together to be these weird revenant creatures but um, it does also doesn't need to use them to physically affect something yeah. because it's not like when it takes out the phone lines that's not like we see them step out of the the fog and then like cut them it's like the fog <laughs> does it funny if you saw like a little hand come out of the fog <laughs> with scissors great. and go <laughs> you think about like when um in looney tunes when like two characters start fighting and they become oh, like a cloud of dust and only like every arms. now and then yeah if that was like what it was just like the fog cruising down the street every now and then like oh, baseball batting out uh like mailboxes and <laughs> Well, everyone at the event starts lighting up candles to commemorate this lame-ass statue. Which was a uh, good good, good call on having the, the candles, because yeah, uh, they just out knock out the power. <laughs> yeah, the, the fog goes out, knocks out the sub... The local it goes substation. to the power station, that's right. And it uh, takes out the whole substation, so that means the whole damn town is out now. Yeah. Um, and so then, luckily, Stevie has a generator. Uh, she goes down, and she's trying to get that thing started. That looks like the- a generator, like, that's a big lighthouse and that generator was oh like, yeah that looks very like a very small generator for like, like i i think like I, I had feet. i have a sump pump in my basement that i think runs on a generator about that size and yeah. uh, i don't live in a lighthouse so they're definitely trying to uh convince us like that yeah this would be possible that was definitely just thrown in there as set dressing and then like yeah they're like oh just make it work uh just make it work stevie uh so then we see the kid and the babysitter in the house lighting candles and uh the kid 
thinks that having the no power is kind of neat which yeah. i remember as a kid i thought it was kind of funny when it like kind of fun when the lights would go out yeah yeah you know? there was definitely always like that like you like it for like the 20 minutes and then yeah. you're like oh, uh God, this sucks yeah especially if it was the summer and yeah texas oof, the worst uh, so then the babysitter and Andy see the heavy fog coming through, so they start closing the windows and doors, and Stevie is freaking the fuck out of yeah. the course. Um, she wants to get someone over there to help, so she's on the and the radio waves like tell, like yelling like somebody go help my son, he's stuck, he's there and um you know, he's in danger. The babysitter, who by the way, is an <laughs> older lady. Yeah. Which really makes me feel bad. Like couldn't they have like picked like a twenty or thirty something year old babysitter? You know, it's another funny thing where you just go, like, you wonder if Carpenter purposefully did this because it's like, well, huh, Halloween, I just had some teenage girls babysitting, yeah. so... So I'm going to make you feel bad about a grandma dying. You almost wonder if he, like, when he cast um, Nancy Loomis, um, you know, keeps saying that, like, I think her character doesn't have much to do because she's just, like, the assistant to Mrs. Williams. Maybe it's like, hey, you're going to be the kid's babysitter, and Nancy was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, give me something else. I guess I'll it's like, I guess you're an assistant to Janet Lee. Better. And like, the only argument I could think of is like, well, maybe because this lady's old, maybe she has more of a direct connection. Yeah, yeah they don't. Revenants, they kind of kill randomly. Yeah. They want to kill six people. Right. I think it has to be six. It seems like it has to be six residents or like just residents of Antonio Bay. I don't think it has to. I mean. But then they try to kill Stevie later. So I, I, it's very yeah confusing. It, to me. Again, these are the you know those moments. It, it almost happens, with, especially in ghost stories, where like revenge is kind of the ultimate yeah. um, motivation of the ghosts. Like you realize like how little of it will hold up. You know, if you're like, well, if that's all the ghosts needed, then why did it take such like an indirect route to? You know, it's like the ring tape. It's like, well, she just. <laughs> you know she was just trying to like get out of the well like you know yeah. like well but um but <laughs> but um but yeah that's i i, I kind of wondered if that was supposed to be the assumption is like okay um you know three people on a ship you know on a, on a boat okay you know it seems to be like a fishing town you know obviously so maybe you could say like there's probably uh a connection there and then yeah this older lady is the babysitter yeah um, it's it's rough to see her die but uh she she does go they kill her um we don't see anything too hardcore they just kind of throw her in the fog you know? right so with this i mean okay so the fog i mean it is like guar is coming out on like stage like yeah. fog machine like it's thick and it's i mean it's it is it is unnatural fog yeah, like there, yeah. you would not now Again, I'm from the Midwest, and you know we'll we will get foggy days. It's not like, but you know, it never looks like anything remotely like this. Now, I'm willing to say maybe like a seaside town might experience more of it, but I'm thinking there's no way any resident looks at that and is like, ah. Eh fog's rolling in like they're gonna be like what the hell's on fire out there or like <laughs> i just am amazed how like kind of not phased they are by the presence of the fog it, 
Like, yeah, it's, it is really weird because it is unnatural. Definitely unnatural. And it's not supposed to look. I mean, I don't think you know. I mean, they're making it glow internally. You know, like it's it's not as if it's not as if you know Carpenter was going for a super realism with the fog. Yeah. So it's just funny that like the residents don't seem to be necessarily like they have to be told that there's something menacing about it um, when it really looks like um, either a concert's about to start (laughs) or, but yeah, but now we see the ghouls uh, breaking into the kids' room right when they were about to break in. Atkins breaks the glass because they uh, they finally pull up to the house. He he runs to the house. He right, yeah, because they were um, on their way to the weather station, but she was yeah pleading over the air, and she kept give, she keeps giving her address out, yeah. like you know if anyone can hear this, get to you know. So Atkins and <laughs> the, the the window on the truck still busted, and he like does like a quick u-turn and they head over yeah it gets to gets to her house he's a hero man like he's able to break the he breaks a little window that's right, right. there and he pulls the kid out through or the revenants get to him through all of the uh, he pulls all the, the kid glass. over all that i was like that kid's legs are just <laughs> tattered <laughs> he's cutting like that what is it the karate uh, the, the one in the thigh the oh, femoral I know, or the can't remember which one's there it's like he's the kid then Tom just goes, uh, yeah, we didn't get there in time. Yeah, we tried. Uh, <laughs> the revenants got it. They're like, well, it looks like he was dragged out the window. The, the, the fog wasn't doing that. Oh, uh, no, no. It's, uh, you know, those revenants are pretty rough. They like breaking windows. Pretty, pretty crazy, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they, get, they get back into the truck, and it's stuck in mud. Dude, it you got to think, reverse. what the hell is that kid thinking? It's like this crazy creature is at like, my door. Or some dude I've never seen has just kicked in my window. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, yeah, I know. I think because they've the, never the chance. Oh yeah, I mean, and why? Yeah, I think that's the smarter move. But nonetheless, like, you know, from this kid's perspective, that's not a guy he's seen before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he, he hasn't that. technically seen the monsters. He's seen the silhouette, so he, you know, I the kid gets it. Like he knows something crazy's yeah. going on, but it's like. There's no telling, you know. It's like, oh yeah, it's a fight or flight situation, yeah. for Sure. And uh, luckily, he went with flight because yes. he is a child who would have been destroyed. Oh yeah. Um, and the truck is stuck, and you know, classic movie trope: truck stuck in mud or whatever. But I like how they did this one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you got you start seeing the fog slowly working its way to the truck, which means that now the revenants can start coming through. They're pacing their way closer and closer. Jamie Lee Curtis is behind the wheel, and she's, like, working the the gears. Because, by the way, y'all, this was back when a lot of cars were manual. Yeah. Uh, so you had to learn how to, you had to know how to shift. So she's she's trying to work the gears, trying to get it to go. And just in time before they yeah. get to the truck, she gets out. And, by the way, hell of a job of reversing very fast. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Very old truck. Dude, once, you, you know, when you're driving a manual and, like, you you get reverse to work like reverse has an incredible pickup oh it does yeah, yeah. The manual it, it pops i mean like yeah you Careful. jump like <laughs> like you know you'll you'll kill it in in first no matter what you know but like reverse if anyone's behind you you'll kill them just oh yeah <laughs> like, 
he goes quick. And uh, then we cut back to the event, which is more lamer than ever because now yeah. the power's out, and the mayor tells Mrs. Williams, like, hey, um, I can close this out if you want, and, and Sandy offers to take Miss w- Mrs. Williams home. And uh, Mrs. Williams responds by saying, you know, you're annoying as hell, but you might be right. Right. <laughs> Gotta love her. And then uh, we're now with Stevie letting everyone know where the... She's letting everyone know where the fog is showing up because uh, she knows that this shit is dangerous. And she's telling everyone to get away from it. And Jamie Lee Curtis is really good at reversing a truck because they run back into the fog. And she reverses and yeah. does like a three-point thing. And, you know, she heads out. And uh, then Stevie says, like, everyone to close their windows and their doors and lock up your daughters. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, well, Tom Atkins is in the fog. so Tom Atkins is in there. You, gotta you don't want to know what he's going to do, like, under the cover of fog. <laughs> She says, if you can get out of town, get to the old church. It's the only place, apparently, right. that is left Yeah, so, to go. Right, which, so I think they showed, and they, they didn't really establish this very well, but, like, it seemed like the, the church was uphill a little, right? Yeah, maybe that's what helped. So it was, like, out I think, ideally, like, if if the fog was natural, like, the the church should have been would have probably been elevated above it but you yeah. know this you know um but yeah, yeah i think that's you know stop it much uh. no no not this one <laughs> not this one I, I just i yeah i do love that though like she's she's given the play-by-play she's like it's going down third and like and they're just like it's interesting you it's know a it's weird uh sequence yeah of events exactly because it's you, you know again you just have to take that moment and be like it's fog like, yeah you know and but um but yeah get to the church and you're just like well Here now we now everything has come together yeah it's time for our final showdown you know we see all the fog coming through coming toward the church um and of course you know the fog is pissed off because stevie's been narking on them this whole damn time. right so they start kind of they the fog sends a little bit of extra fog i was gonna over. say it kind of like <laughs> they kind of sp- splits yeah like which <laughs> It was great, you know. It's like you see them in there flipping for it. Like, okay, who's gonna go to that one? Yeah, y'all two go over there. We're gonna go fucking uh, kill everyone from the church and shit. So then, now Mrs. Williams believes the curse, obviously. And Father yeah. Malone was, um, uh, he lets them know that the revenants are seeking to kill the six original conspirators. Then he starts reading further into his grandfather's journal, and it says something about that um, they confiscated the fortune that had been stolen by them. And it says something like, I am the thief and God's temple is the tomb of gold. Right, yeah. So that is the the clue to like, this feels like some weird um, treasure hunting movie now. But they're like, that's the clue to where this this gold may be. And, and, and Malone is like thinking, well, maybe this is the key to getting these people out of here. Right, because his, yeah, I think after that, like the God's, temple or temple is the tomb of gold like it's something about like he oh that's right because tom atkins goes well where'd you find the the journal and he's like well right here and they show and it's like at some point i think malone says something to the effect of like well it the church is it's it's like the gold's got to be in the walls and it's like i think because don't they start like tearing at the walls at this point yeah they start tearing at the walls uh the revenants start bashing through the windows um 
and uh, while this is happening they start trying to make their way into the lighthouse and Stevie tries to barricade the door but there's they're too strong so because they're really pissed off about her talking shit on the airwaves yeah so that uh, they she heads upstairs and they follow suit Padre and uh, Mrs. Williams are able to get through that wall. They find this cross that is entirely made of gold. It's right. like this solid fucking cross. Which is so crazy. It looks but. dope, though. <laughs> but, yeah. That shit look, I don't but, know if it was actually heavy, but but Padre makes that shit look heavy. Like, well, he does a good job. And the best part about, like... <laughs> like, okay. So, if, if you're hiding gold that you've illegally stolen and as he says they melted down they the gold into it. this right yeah why wasn't that displayed then like that yeah. would be the way like if you bothered if you if you bothered to melt down the gold and shape it into something that looks like it would fit there you would it looks way more suspicious if it's hidden in the walls like yeah totally that that should have been like the like the reveal seems almost backwards like yeah like you know i just know as a girl i grew up as a catholic and it's all about shame right all i can think is there is a shame involved in it and they were like well let's turn it into a symbol that we right spiritually look you know look to for guidance and let's put it away yeah because we did this in a very bad way (laughs) right well and and, you know and i i I guess it makes like because there's a part of me like that i was thinking like oh you know it should have been visible the whole time like whenever we were in like it was and it's a cross so it's like you're not thinking about it as anything in the backdrop anywhere like yeah you could put it in the back and then have malone finally realize like what it is yeah like and if it was like you know up a little high i don't but i guess since he's the only one there maybe he would have long ago noticed that but like it's just funny because when they're tearing apart the wall you're thinking like okay they're gonna pull out like a treasure chest yeah and it's like a cross and you're like oh, it's well, just a big that, ass cross yeah and, and, and he just hugs it yeah he hugs it he carries that gold cross out to uh to the to the main area and even the kid is like because the kid by the way is with them this whole time oh yeah like, yeah he's with hey, man, a bunch of strangers doing, dude like it's dangerous out there bro yeah so then we cut to stevie who couldn't he, she couldn't juke these slow ass zombies and so she instead climbs to the tippity top of the lighthouse which yeah. um oof that must have been her plan z oh yeah um, that that, that is a i didn't think this one through oof. so at the same time father malone is offering the gold to blake who is uh the the main vato of the uh lupus guys and uh <laughs> he's like uh with the blake, leprosy yeah leprosy yeah leprosy L- lupus is still <laughs> you don't want to blame people for that my bad leprosy <laughs> so uh he's like blake i got your shit <laughs> um, yeah i know i love how like he yeah it is definitely just like it's brave of him but it also just seems <laughs> it's so weird and blake kind of you can tell blake because he's got like a cabal jawa thing going on he's got like the red the, yeah the shit. super fakey red eyes that, everyone else doesn't so like right. i guess that's how we know that's him he walks up to father malone who basically tells him um i'm the final person that's connected to the conspirators so go ahead and kill me that's i mean that's not exactly what he says but that's kind yeah, of yeah yeah he's offering himself up to to stop it so then we cut back to stevie and she tries to get away from one of the the revenants but when she turns around they hook her in the shoulder which is really yeah, badass it looks rough but uh 
she uh, falls down toward one of the other revenants that was coming um, up. The th I think it's two of them, and they're basically have her surrounded. And uh, then Blake, back at the church, puts his hands on the gold cross, and he lights up like a goddamn... Yeah. <laughs> he lights up, and he looks like he's about to white slam her Father Malone. He's <laughs> vibrating like a son of a bitch. And Father Malone is also vibrating. Yeah, yeah, they... Yeah. It's insane. It's a really cool scene, though. The 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 glowing the white the, part is it's, it's it's yeah. The it's, cross glows white, like white hot. It's pretty intense, uh, intense scene. And Atkins is like, um, I, if I were Atkins, I would have been like, I'm gonna go ahead and stay back and see yeah. what happens. But he has the balls to go and grab Father Malone and which pull him out of there. You know what's f you think about like what you're looking at, which. Even if you set aside, like, the supernatural aspect of it, like, just physically what looks like is happening to Father Malone is it looks like he's being electrocuted. Like, yes. just the way he's shaking and, you know, the fact that he's holding, like, some kind of metal object. Like, I don't think he really took the time to explain to everyone that it's solid. I mean, maybe Tom's not told. But, like, going up and just grabbing someone who looks like they are being violently electrocuted... <laughs> What's wrong with you? That is like, yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a super risky move, but uh, it works out. You know, yeah. he's able to pull him off, and Blake just basically glows as bright as possible, and the light just kind of explodes, and then his fellow revenants and him and the fog just dissip dissipate, yeah. basically. And then this, by the way, the kid is still there. He has not asked for his mom once, right? Um, so he's taking this in stride. Oh yeah. <laughs> You know, a lot has changed in his life. He Brave moved from kid. Chicago, and <laughs> yeah, like, he's probably a tough kid. He's from the streets of Chicago. Exactly, he's good. So, speaking of mom, we're back at the lighthouse. All the fog also dissipates, which looks really cool here in this scene. The way it just sort of just goes and reverses back, which I'm pretty sure was probably shot. In yeah, they just. It's a good. It's a. It's a simple concept, but it looks so good. Um, and to think about you know the timing of when they did it too like i mean oh yeah you know. pretty innovative uh to uh to decide to go with that kind of route um you know when you're dealing with uh, something like fog right it looks really cool so uh now we go through all the the movie sets throughout town yeah <laughs> we see the fog disappear from there as well it, he basically does the halloween ending yeah like like I, it, all is silent I, yeah after michael you know is gone like there's the quick cuts to like basically everywhere we've been in the movie to kind of connect it all like a yeah wrap up and it's funny to see that he did this he kind of employed that same <laughs> hey, you know if it ain't broke right no i mean it's it's cool to me but like <laughs> i just it's just amazing because it's like you know now i'm thinking back and going like i wonder how many more movies carpenter does that ending like is that is that one of those things that ends up becoming like a like a trademark that you know he just kind of does you know it's it's yeah. a cool exit move like it is it's like um hey we're wrapping this up everybody especially if you're not lingering on like a long prologue or a, a long epilogue necessarily epilogue, yeah. like and there you know. is a bit of an epilogue because yeah. uh, stevie reflects on what the hell just happened uh, right she's on her radio station that probably no one's listening to because the whole town is falling apart and but the power is out so the unless you're out. driving so she's kind of speaking to herself and to the airwaves. She says, um, I, I don't have everything, but I do like the line of where she says, um, To the ships at sea who can hear my voice, look across the water into the darkness. Look for the fog. That's good yeah. shit. So, <laughs> yeah. So uh, 
then we see Father Malone in his empty church and he says to himself, Why not six, Blake? Why not me? Yeah. Well, yeah, Padre may have spoke too soon. Right. Because what happens here, man? <laughs> so, this is the... the so wait, this is the the tag at the end, right? Where yeah, we see a little bit of fog, kinda yep. like slipping underneath yep. the doorway, and he sees uh, he you know, he's a little distracted because he sees um some of the shadows, like he sees some of the guys, like the revenants in the, in the shadows, and then he turns around, and uh, Blake is there to say, uh, hey man, I just forgot one thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. He slices, you see him swing and say, we don't actually see his head get cut off, but they do that nice where it looks like they broke a bunch of like cabbage or something. Yeah. Sound like a, um, yeah. The, <laughs> and end of movie. Like, That's holy right. shit. Do you know, you know, what's so funny that you say that, like, and you just, and, um, I, bump, uh, I think I always forget about that little stinger. <laughs> and you and you want and this brings this will bring us right back to where um we're talking about like when I first saw the movie yeah um the the tape that I rec- uh, that I rented um and they it's funny that they they never like took this out of circulation or or off the um or replaced it but the um the 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 tracking got all screwed up <laughs> So the first like dozen times I saw this movie, it essentially like ends for all intents and purposes with um, Stevie's speech. Yeah. And while I have obviously I own it and like I've I clearly watched the ending, I think it's another one of those weird moments where like I have created an alternate cut in my head. Like Mrs. Williams and and Sandy are mother and daughter and. Malone lives, and it's only now as I'm like thinking about this, like you like how you have your own fan fiction memories of this. It, movie. It, it, yeah, it's just re-edits. It's like I don't even re- I don't even do anything original. It's like I'm just kind of I'm, I'm just I'm George <laughs> Lucasing it. Like yeah, I'm just kind of like yeah. But it's funny though because I oh, rented God. it so many times. And it was always the same copy because it was always had the tracking issues. That's all right. And honestly, if it had ended with her speech, I think it would have been fine too. But I think they wanted to pi- kind of tie it around because yeah. you're like, well, what happened to Father Malone? But it's funny because that still doesn't make six. Does it? How many I people were on the boat? Six. Three, right? Three were on the, the boat. boat. They killed the- Weatherman. They killed- oh, Weatherman. Yep. Yeah, Sorry. They killed I- Weatherman. They and killed then, Lady yep. and then they killed Padre. Okay. Yep. You're right. Yeah. So they got their number. That's um, right. It works out pretty well. And I will say, Matt, um, there were a lot of very impressionable characters in this movie. And Oh, I, yeah. I, I was waiting to see who you were. <laughs> I do have a segment in this show, and that segment is called Quick Impressions. <clears throat> Quick Impressions. Hey, now, what, what is the big deal? You've seen fog once. You've seen it for life. Well, there's something different about this fog, Dan. It glows. Can't you see anything yet? Glows? Oh. Oh, I get it. You take something to keep you going, right? Does it make you feel a little weird sometimes? Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, I love 
<laughs> That's the, I love that. Like one, that was a dramatic reading. That wasn't just an impression. Like that was two voices. <laughs> dramatic reading. <laughs> and he just thought of it that way. And I just also love that he's like, "What are you high? You're high, aren't you?" <laughs> like, <it's> just, <laughs> I know. There was like the only like kind of goofy shit that I could pull for this movie yeah. that I would want to so do a quick impression of. I I was it, I was thinking like before we sat down to record I'm like I was trying to figure it out and I was like okay it would be too easy to be the grizzled guy or like the guy in the beginning. Yeah. Holbrook's voice like is not there's nothing about it that like would be great to like imitate. Like yeah. just not so my my guess was going to be you were going to do the uh, Stevie on air off air transition. <laughs> I thought about it. I thought about it. <laughs> I like that people think about what I'm going to. Oh, I was, I was trying to random. figure it out because because again, you know, this movie, like I said, it's not one that has a ton of standout dialogue that needs yeah. to be like the story sort of. Ca- it, the story sort of uh, lifts itself through the movie and like everyone supports the story but yeah there's no like standout weird <laughs> this is as close line. to like a novel on film like yeah you, I was right. you know your guys uh, your episode about the maddening oh god and, and how bring that up <laughs> one because I just listened to it and uh, it was such a good episode though <laughs> but like you know at a point like you guys were talking about how that one was based on a book and you kind of were talking about like i think how in the middle to like you know kind of the second part of the movie really lags under almost like what in a book would just be the exposition and the character building and Maeve read okay on the page but just didn't translate to film and it's like this is kind of almost the opposite of that where it's like it's almost surprising that this was not a book i mean i know they there was a novelization but like this feels so much like just a book on the screen no you are on point matt um and as you know i do rate all of my movies by uh, mustache uh, you get the full fu manchu recommendation if it's a goddamn badass movie you get the walrus mustache if it's a pretty badass movie you get the horseshoe mustache if it's a eh, it's a pretty good movie and you get the hitler mustache if it's a complete piece of shit how would you rate this movie Matt? I think I gotta go the full Fu Manchu on you this one. The full Fu Manchu. Yeah. Manchu. <laughs> Sorry. It, no. I, I threw a little woo in there. But, I uh, heard it. It was a good, good nice Illinois. I, I just I just well I, I just couldn't commit to it, but then I was like, yeah, yeah. No, I, you know what? Like, because the, there's so much in this movie that, like, you know, I think I. I think I could understand like where the reviews were, you know, you know, if you wanted to pick it apart, like just, you know, with any ghost story, your things are just not going to hold up to like logic, right? Like you, yeah. you know, you can nitpick them all, but like all the performances are good. Like, I think even if the character, you know, even with characters that I'm like, why is this person even in this movie? Like it's a good performance. Yeah, um, I know you're on point. The atmosphere is perfect throughout. Like, um, it's it's just such a good uh, it's such a good ghost story movie. And I was actually you know thinking about you know uh, so my two kid I have two kids twelve and seven and obviously you know 
I start thinking, you know, like, well, what horror movies could I, you know, sit down and watch with, especially like the 12 year old, you know, that aren't like just the ones that we'd watch all together. So like now that he's a little older and, you know, going back through the fog, I'm like, Oh, this is you perfect know, for twelve. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like a bit of gore, but I mean, it's nothing too crazy that you right. see in a video. Game. I mean, even like like language, you know, like all of those things. Like, so it's it's kind of a weird, like it's it's an R rated movie, but like it's a weirdly like PG R rated movie. Yeah, it's like a very, um, it's like the social distortion of punk rock. I remember one time I was playing <laughs> Social Distortion in my room, and my mom was like, "Hey, that's just pretty good music." I was yeah. Like, oh shit. Yeah, that's never a good moment. Like when you're like, "Hey, it's not bad," and you're like, "Oh boy." And not to say not to knock Social Distortion, but they have that sort of tone. Right. Anyone can listen to them. And, yeah, uh, this it's, movie is something a lot of people could enjoy. It's super like accessible, and um, uh, I feel you there. Yeah, this would be a good one to show to show the kid. Um, I personally, I give this a full Fu Manchu, and I, I was already going in wanting to give it a full Fu Manchu recommendation, but talking through this and, and talking to you about it, I even more, I'm even more confident about this being a full Fu Manchu recommendation. Um, I completely, I, there's so many elements to this movie that sort of, as individual parts, you're like, eh, you know, like maybe it doesn't work that great, but when they're all together, it just works. Yeah. And the suspense of the movie works. I love that it's not um, a hard watch, you know, like you can watch this uh, on a weekend. Yeah, uh, it's like 90 minutes, like on the yeah, nose, basically. It's, it's not. watch, you know, yeah. you don't have to fucking pay attention to every single detail they reiterate what's going right. on like four times so right yeah figure it out <laughs> right exactly and just enjoy the ride baby you're with yeah. tom atkins and jamie lee curtis like this is some good shit so uh yeah, and it's like, ghost pirates so like if at the end of the day well i guess they're not really pirates ghost lepers kind of yeah go <laughs> ghost lepers <laughs> yeah yeah you got some 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 that was the alternate yeah. title, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Carpenter was like, I want to name it Ghost Leopard. They were like, <laughs> like yeah, we're not going to do that. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, either way, Matt, thank you so much for, oh. for coming on and talking to me uh, with this movie, um, or talking to me, but talking with me about this movie. Did you happen, happen to have any, um, you know, fucking plugs or anything like that do you have anything going on do you have a social that you would want people to come and uh, check out your stuff on yeah you can uh find me i mainly just use twitter um so it's at matt begins m-a-t-t-b-e-g-i-n-s um nice i've got uh some uh samples of some upcoming comic books uh more details coming probably in february march of 2021 more announcements but uh, i'm working on a couple uh original projects uh, with some artists so i've been kind of throwing up uh some preview pages and stuff uh nice there then otherwise i just make a lot of dumb jokes so yeah, you know that's way. always fun too you know and, and you know if they want to keep a track of what's going on and and when that we you know when that time comes you know definitely follow him 
there on Twitter. And as you all know, you can find the Mustachio Podcastio on Instagram at Mustachio Podcastio, M-O-U-S-T-A-S-I-O. You can find us on Twitter at M-Podcastio. And also you can email me. I, I, I always forget to mention it, but I, we do have an email. If you have some kind of movie recommendation that I might may or may not actually include in the show, you can email me at, um, at Mustachio Podcastio at gmail.com. But uh, other than that, man, um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we will uh, definitely look forward to having you back, man. Oh, anytime. Thank you so much. All right, man. I'll, I'll see you all later. You have a good one. Bye.